0: Well, Justin, how the hell are you? Besides uh, your oh man, issues? I'm
1: good. I mean, uh, now that we've got through the uh, the technical issues of this evening, you yeah. know, <laughs> I'm feeling much better, man. Um, oh, yeah, funny. I wanted to ask you have you have you been keeping up with um,
0: the Kardashians? No,
1: no, no. Actually, film wise. Have you been watching uh, many movies since we've been, you know, home? Watching
0: and- lots of TV shows. So we caught up on, we we finished shits Creek. We finished the Ozark. Uh, I'm catching up on Better Call Saul because once we canceled cable, I didn't keep up with it because we were still learning how to, like, stream from services and stuff. Yeah. Um. But so that's, that's like, what I'm watching now. Like, Susie's sitting next to me doing a rewatch of Mad Men, uh, which we did, I feel like, during... Paternity, paternity leave, but just doing it again because it's a good show. And uh, she started uh, killing Eve uh, with some friends, and I was going to watch it with her, but I just uh, I don't I was busy doing other things, and uh, now I'm behind. So I walk in the room, I'm like, "What's happening with Sandra?" Oh? But
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been doing the TV thing too. I try to, you know, to get into movies. It's tough yeah. because it's a it's a couple hours of time that I've got to devote to it. Yeah, and you know I'm gonna look this up real quick while I'm talking. Um, uh, train to uh, train to Busan. Have you seen it? No. Train to Busan. So it came up. I I was in the mood the other night. I, I went on Reddit and I was like, what's the, what's a really good horror film? Oh, okay. um, that involves zombies. And this one is Train to Busan. So it's a uh, um, it's a South Korean film. And it's one of those. It's very much like Parasite, where you, you kind of get lost in the film, and you don't mind watch, you know, reading through the dialogue sure, at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very intense, uh, very different uh, concept. You know, it's isolated to this train and, and going between these different cities. Um, but I was just in the mood for a horror flick, and and I only watch horror flicks by myself because if it's too intense, I I catch myself gasping and and kind of not necessarily hiding behind the covers or under the covers or anything, but you know, I, I I can, I I like a scary film, but I can also get scared by jump scares in, in film. So um, I don't like anyone else to, to witness
0: any of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, but lately,
1: you know, looking at these films that, that I've, I've been into, I've, I've been looking for something like a Bruce Willis film or maybe something uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's tough Because I don't want to watch those alone, man. You know, action needs an audience,
0: dude. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, man, he's real. I gotta tell him about how. Oh, geez, this is Jimmy Pod. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: And that is a bummer that we, you know, you can't have uh, movie nights. You have you have movie nights every Friday.
0: We have movie and, nights with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. With, with Wes every Friday. Did and you
1: then, have uh, movie nights with friends on a regular basis too?
0: Oh, like growing up. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We would have sleepovers. We would watch like the entire Halloween series or, um, like we would do, if there was a Friday the 13th, we we'd do a sleepover and do that type of stuff. Also horror films. So yeah, like we yeah. do the scream movies and, uh, like really like Wes Craven, Kevin, uh, wow. How am I forgetting? Uh, Kevin Williamson nights. Um, that Type of stuff, yeah.
1: And did you guys watch the previews at the beginning of the tapes? The VHS, oh, yeah. Tapes? Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to, right? It's, it's funny. A, there's it's...
0: certain movies I always remember, like, um, I feel like, well, it's uh, there's certain movies, there's certain movies I remember the trailer for on the VHS's, but I don't remember what movies they were for. But there was something I used to watch a lot that had the Prancer trailer in the beginning of it. Um, what was Prancer? Would, Prancer was like one of those movies where, like, it, early 90s santa leaves a reindeer behind and a girl like kind of like takes it and looks after it and uh oh like
1: fly away home where maybe
0: i don't remember the premise all that much but i remember the trailer a lot like <laughs> um but uh i'm watching a lot of old stuff every now and again like so I, yeah i watched bad boys for life recently and i watched parasite and uh i guess a couple of the oscar movies um this past year but that was when i was on paternity leave specifically during quarantine no we just watched bad boys for life and i think that's the only movie new movie yeah. we watched i did watch uh recently uh the brave little toaster i watched that last night loving that um there's some great jams in that um and i watched yeah and uh, i always short i always had, had the other night
1: short circuit's a classic yeah that's um oh and i can't remember the name of the the doctor the the uh
0: well, the scientist goot, that creates, and him, then there's Fisher Stevens. But the goot is in, that is that, uh, is that uh, Gutenberg? Goot, Steve Gutenberg is the scientist. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg is the 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 creator. And there's
1: a, but there's an Indian uh, partner, right?
0: <laughs> Who's not Indian? Yeah, but it's Fisher Stevens who directed <laughs> so who just bad. directed this uh, <laughs> this uh, this documentary on Netflix called Dirty Money. It's like a documentary show, and one uh-huh. of the episodes is about Donald Trump and his rise to power essentially, and and I saw it directed by Fisher Stevens, and I'm like, from short circuit <laughs> still uh, in the game, yeah man uh but ah, what a classic um, yeah, and I, well, I'm, I'm I looking forward fun, to the man. day
1: that we can introduce the kids to those ones i have them I have them downloaded, they're in our library of yeah a film, so they can go and they can scroll through them in in the family section that you click it and they, they see them. Uh yeah. last one we watched was um Jungle to Jungle.
0: Oh nice.
1: Yeah, which they they ended up really loving that film. Uh it was uh, one that Lindsay, anything Lindsay problematic
0: heard. that you would have cringed at?
1: Um not really. There wasn't anything terrible. I mean there were a few parts where he says um when when, when the son opens up the sheets and the mom's the well not the mom but the the girlfriend, his dad's girlfriend is sleeping there and he goes nice I oh want to boy. say the bazongas. You know, she's looking at her butt oh cheeks, God, basically. You know, and that was the that was probably the worst part. The other parts, I don't think, they, you know, it all flew over the kids heads.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> your youngest is how old?
1: Three. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I wanted to um, like, fuck, we put on uh, Pinocchio the other night. Like every cuckoo clock in Geppetto's workshop is po- problematic. Um uh, yeah. There's kids drinking and smoking and fighting and all this stuff. It's like, geez, like, you know, I, I don't want to show him, you know, something where somebody says like retarded or something right? Uh, that I used to watch <laughs> in the 90s. Like, I think three ninjas kick back. They say retarded. And, oh, like, and yeah. And like they that. picked
1: up on that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Um. But uh. but then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll put on Pinocchio. And it's like hella problematic all over the place. Um. But he enjoyed it. So, mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a ton of housekeeping this episode. Uh, Did I mention? So uh, a couple episodes ago, we had Danny from CD Hawkins pod and MXPX memes who has since left us a review. He says, I am listening. Five stars. I'm a casual Jimmy World fan at best. So I enjoy that David and Justin are learning more about their second favorite band as I learn about them for the first time. Uh, they take their existing love of the band's music and express that to a listener like me, uh, while we all learn more about the history of the band together. I think that's a great dynamic. And what's funny is that's actually like, I have no history with the band Reliant K outside of, uh, that one song they had. I want to say best of me and that's not it. Um, uh, that's the starting line, right? Um, (laughs) there's is man. What's the big Reliant K song? dang and i know I, I keep thinking
1: of, of uh the the cover of um the cover that they do that's on our ipod that's the only one that i know oh uh, be my escape fu- is the one yeah
0: that's yeah. it which is a great pop punk song um uh but uh so yeah i'm learning about reliant k and most of the songs i've never even heard and since i listen at two times speed i only know like nightcore versions of <laughs> reliant k songs <laughs> Uh, from that podcast, but also same thing as I'm learning about Reliant K solely through them with no previous knowledge of the band. So, uh, yeah, thank you to Danny for uh, uh, basically expressing to us what we what, 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 in me and my mind express uh, toward his pod.
1: Um, yeah. And last week. Yeah, it's last week. We had um, Eric Grubbs on. We got him. So the author of Post Post. A look at the influence of post-hardcore, nineteen eighty-five to two thousand and seven.
0: Yes, and I've one hundred percent listened to that already. <laughs>
1: and I have—I I had a wonderful conversation with him. And if if you don't want to listen to that episode for for whatever reason, listen to the uh, the conversation that we have because he is very much in the know um, in regards to not only the hardcore scene but also the post-hardcore scene and all of the influences and 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 different paths that all these different bands took. Um, and he adds a lot to our conversation. Oh, good! And it was so he was so excited. I mean, to to get on and, and talk with us about this because he's excited that people are actually listening to this music still, and uh, and that there's such an, an interest in it. In in our part, we have an entire podcast devoted to it. So, <laughs> if, if you listen to that if you haven't had a chance yet.
0: Tight, awesome, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so this to, week, yes, yep. action, action needs, needs an audience. An audience. Um, from invented. Uh, I wrote track ten of eleven, but I also very much probably just left that from last week. But that seems well. It not is right. track ten,
1: but I also have fourteen of eighteen on the uh, extended cut or the uh, oh. deluxe edition, right?
0: Oh.
2: But it is,
1: yeah, it is ten. I, if I go to Spotify just to verify, if I go to, let me just click on this, and, and I think go it's to the,
0: twelve tracks. Why did I write eleven tracks? I do. I have come across things where yeah, on you're right. it I like... It, I question what... Because uh, after this, on my vinyl, which I, I like grabbing the vinyl if I have it, and I was for sure I did not have this vinyl, and sure enough, I do. Um, it's 10, and then Invented and Mixtape come right after. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mixtape is, is track 12.
0: Yeah. Um, like the perfect album length, I think. 12 tracks. Um, uh, produced by Mark Trombino and Jimmy Eat World. He was kind of more of a executive producer, as I keep digging and digging and digging. He wasn't really... Right. In there giving them uh, a bunch of uh notes and things like that uh, I didn't write down the release date or <laughs> I mean Jimmy world wrote it um do you have a release date on inventory uh yeah
1: September 28th of 2010
0: okay um man what was I doing I was a year from getting married uh yeah I don't know I don't know what was going on it's September 2010 um they've played the song 95 times uh first time was in 2009 at Weenie Roast and we have actual video of that we'll play later. Uh that was the first time they ever played it live and then the last time they played it October 22nd, 2014 uh in Raleigh, North Carolina. Haven't played it a lot since then. And it is a cool song and one thing that it I It is do, a Tom song. Yes, it
1: is. I wonder how much I wonder how much that offends people when we say Tom song. You know, I always go back to uh to the bassist from Allison's Halo and that comment that he made in, 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 their Facebook page. And he was so great after, after I had commented, he was very gracious. He's like, I understand, but,
3: right, but the, yeah. the fact
1: that I said Tom song, he goes, why is it, why is he calling it a Tom song? Like, like, like Jim and, and Zach were even there in the beginning, <laughs> which I get, you know, and, and we were, yeah. we were learning, um about the whole you know the process and the timeline of every everybody especially that was a very like informative time for you and i there was like a that's couple right. of weeks we
0: gotta bring was... that back up on orangewood sessions because i think that's where we learned that jim wasn't even in the band was from the allison's halo thread that we were in exactly yeah yeah i know that was that was uh it, it
1: was a stunning find for me because i yeah you know i was i was of the the thought that he was always in it and maybe there was just a different variation of their band and and but he was always there no it was actually tom and I, You know Tom and um, and and his buddies and and a little bit of Rick Birch in there, but
0: yeah, Uh, yeah, man, crazy. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that it's a Tom song, but I'm sure you came across this. I can't imagine you didn't that uh, it was a Jim song when they played it at Weenie Rose 2009. Yes, yeah, and I'm excited to listen to
1: that. And it is a, a pretty cool. Uh, version to hear him singing on that
0: let's go ahead and play that early version here i'm gonna p- paste this here so we can uh listen to it um okay oh right yeah I Have to get rid of playlist I wonder if there's a way to can you do you know if there's a way to copy videos out of a playlist without the playlist linking behind it
1: uh no because you're right clicking the link and just hitting copy link yeah yeah i don't think there's any way of doing that come on I know, right? You have to manually go back into your little, uh, where you've pasted and, and remove it. Here we go.
0: I think I was at this show.
1: Those are different lyrics, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I've written out. Oh, we'll we'll play the bridge in a minute. Um, I've written out what I think I can discern from Jim's lyrics, and let me tell you what I think the song is about that Jim is singing about. I think he's singing about the Diamondbacks and baseball. So let me <laughs> read what I've deciphered from that because it's pretty much he. They do the bridge, which is a little different than what's on the record. Uh-huh. Um. But, uh, pretty much after that, it's just the weird course. So I wrote, it's interesting because, as far as I can tell, it's the same first line. I'm hypnotized by ritual. Two of them are taking place. Good as em- good as any empty gesture goes. Yeah, good as any from nowhere. So I'm not really sure. It's like not really clearly about anything, but the ritual thing makes me think baseball with what comes next always put the book and a condescending yeah 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 you'll get your chance the bigger the brighter and the newer doctors all just want their audience so i guess there's no baseball in there either but then he goes in the second verse time to call a book on fighters so that can't be right i don't know what that means but it sounds like the words that he's saying and the seas but very very clearly in the video and the seasons seaworthy what on earth could that possibly mean? This What season is he talking about? What, what um, uh, season, like winter, spring, summer, fall, is seaworthy? But a season of baseball could be seaworthy, as the Diamondbacks are not a very good team. So uh, if they're doing well, you could say that the season could be seaworthy. S- uh, Smash up anything, do what I read, but never gives that cup a ring. Now, I'm pretty sure those are not quite the lyrics, but... And then I'm like, a ring, like a World Series ring. Right. I mean, not not cup. The cup doesn't fit, right? No, there may be a but, pennant, right? Yeah, but that's he's he's saying something that rhymes with cup, at least. Like maybe cop a ring, but I don't know what that means. Uh but then he says, I may never I may never be quite satisfied. and this is very clear in the lyrics. Uh I may never be quite satisfied, but that's the only truth I know. Gonna get down and dig in deep, because that's the only way I go. I don't know the most I can get from this song with the lyrics that Jim sings at Weenie Rose, 2009, it, which is a K rock summer festival show it, for those right. that don't know. Uh, it's a Southern California here in Los Angeles that that was at Irvine, uh, which used to be a big venue out there. Anyway, um, the most I can glean from these lyrics is that it's about ba- baseball and Diamondbacks, which I know they love. Um, but uh, that's what I could gather from the lyrics uh, that Jim is singing there, which are different than the lyrics that Tom ends up coming with. And we can, let's real quick, since we're in it, let's listen to the bridge because it's a little different than what's on the Yeah, record. go ahead and
1: hit play. You can control yeah.
0: that.
3: Here it comes. Yeah. So
0: no lyrics, it's all like a guitar octave thing. Okay, so that's pretty much it there. Um, So, what turns out is that this is one of the oldest songs that they had for going in to record the album Invented, what what became Invented. Um, So, I'm going to send you a link real quick, and you can hear that. Do you know who Alan Cross is? No, it, it
1: the name sort of rings a bell. Um, He's like
0: a Canadian music journalist, um, and I used to really listen to his podcast a bunch. And then I, I realized I was only listening to like the bands I wanted to hear about. And he mm-hmm. did like a two or three part series on Blink One Eighty Two and stuff like that. So um, I think he has a couple Weezer series too. Um, but anyway he's like uh, I say he's a podcaster But he's like a radio host And then his radio shows Got compiled And, and put out as podcasts. But uh-huh. play this up to One minute three seconds Because I accidentally exported Two clips as one But uh, okay, this here. is part of Alan Cross's interview When they released Invented And he talks They talk specifically About the song And you can hear from Jim's mouth Why it ended up Switching over to A Tom song
1: uh, So up to one minute Right
0: Yeah, yeah, pause it at about a minute three.
1: Uh, Track 10 is Action Needs an Audience, which is short. It's less than three minutes.
4: Yep. Um, Action Needs an Audience is also one of the older tunes, I think, from the new Mm -hmm. batch. Um, It'd been sitting around kind of a long time, just music, and uh, originally I had, like, lyrics written for it and was singing it, but Mm -hmm. just kind of wasn't happy with what I was coming up with. Mm -hmm. And... uh, It had sat around for so long that I just couldn't get back to the place where it felt like I could write. So, but you know, and Tom was always championing that. He's like, dude, we should work on that. We should work on that. And so we just decided, like, well, you know, I guess you know, I'm not stoked with any of the lyrics I'm writing. Why don't you take a crack at it, Tom? And so he did, and now Tom (laughs) reemerges.
2: Tom's back.
4: Kind of an easier one to write lyrics for because the melody was already there. So I think it only took like a few days to find something that I was happy with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Looking at the time on this, I grabbed my times from Wikipedia. Spotify says 240. It's the shortest song on any one of their albums after the self titled. It's the, yeah, by, by about the five or six. 94 self titled? So yeah, the 94 self titled has amphibious amphibious which is a minute 42 and even looking at my list thinking that's all has got two minutes and 52 and then the middle is two minutes and 46 seconds which is surprising oh wow but actually yeah. needs an audience on my list is two minutes and 45 but on spotify 240 still it's it there's no other track that's shorter than this so i wonder how long they've been holding on to it you know if it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, that short guitar of a song riff.
0: we didn't even talk about that guitar riff
1: yeah, I and mean, how they have it. Produced, I'd never let that
0: go either. Yeah,
1: um, how they have that produced in in the bridge where it does that. Uh, it's kind of a slow flanger yeah. to it, or it's got that right, which is such a cool transition for that that instrument because you're just listening to that. It's it's a pretty thick little uh, guitar riff.
0: Oh yeah, I think it's sick. Like it's kind of like it's up there with like the future's guitar riff. I feel like
1: yeah. They just did a little bit more treatment on it with uh, with with the with the effects afterward.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. But I mean, in terms of like, uh, uh, what am I think catchiness or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a like I'll bet if I've never sat down to try to play this or Futures to be honest, but I'll bet they're both equally as fun to play.
1: Yeah, just crank it up to eleven, man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, and and um, this one is mixed in between, so Action Needs and Audiences come comes after Cut. And then before Invented. So it comes in between a five minute and a seven minute track.
2: Mm, And, and,
1: you know, going into my mind, listening to Invented as an album, it does sort of show up and make its little make itself known. And then before you really know that the you know, they've gone through the bridge and everything and it's the end of the song and then you're on to uh, Invented which is a huge song. So it's, it's almost like a little bit of a, a reminder that you're listening to invented there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. Just
1: despite, yeah. Just to, just to pique your interest again. Like, Hey, don't forget that we're, uh, we're listening <laughs> to this jam. Hey,
0: remember me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and then like, let's see. Um, Oh, I came across this little, uh, ditty. Um, somebody interviewed Tom from we will, or they will rock Yeah. Um, uh, they, uh, they were. Rocky says, uh, "You see, you sing lead on one of the songs on the album. Actually, needs an audience. So a lot of people may not know that you were originally the lead singer for the band. How did it feel to be singing lead again? And do you think it's something you'll want to delve into more in the future?" Tom says, "Yeah, I know. It was fun. Uh, it's been a while since I sang lead. How it happened was toward the end when all the songs were almost finished, and there was a." Uh, just the music for action needs an audience just sitting there. Jim was working on another song. Someone had the idea that I should try to write lyrics for it. So I did. And it ended up making the record, but yeah, in the future, I'll probably sing lead again on a track or two, um, which is <laughs> like so
1: political with it. It's like, yeah, probably. I don't
0: know. Yeah. I mean, I
1: might do it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah. And then let's see, there was an interview with Jim. There a lot of people. It was a big deal to hear Tom, uh, come back again. It's been uh, a while. Yeah. Absolute Punk was interviewing Jim When this uh, record came out And they say another song I want to briefly mention is Action Needs an Audience which is Tom's first lead uh, he's done since Blister how did that come about And Jim says the music uh, pretty much what We've heard before the music for Action Needs an Audience Was sitting around for a long time I was trying to like write Lyrics but it wasn't happy with anything I was Coming up with Tom was always championing that song As something we needed to keep working on so we all decided That he should take a crack at writing the lyrics for It then uh, it's cool I think it really works <laughs> That's like the most Jim answer I've ever heard. That's I know, cool. right?
1: <laughs> it's cool. It works. It's on the album. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking um, of the lyrics, I thought they yeah. were they were pretty cool. The uh, the story that that uh, that at least that I gathered from. Oh, so yeah. So we've
0: lyrics. gone over what what we heard Jim singing, and now we uh-huh. can talk about what Tom actually. Sang yeah. So he
1: of... so this was all musical at one point, and and then Tom had said, "Hey, look, man, give me give me an option to, or give me the opportunity to." Let me write rock the star lyrics for this, this thing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and so he writes this song that, well, I mean, let's just go through, go, go through these lyrics. Well, I'll just, I'll say the first verse and, and I'll let you know what I think. So I'm hypnotized by the rituals now that I am on my own, tranquilized like an animal, all because I lost control, which is a cool little, um, introduction yeah. into what I'm thinking is like tranquilized like an animal. So somebody's got him under control. And then he's lost the control. He's out of it. So that mm-hmm. also, did, you, know, you know, builds off of that. But the, in my thought, this is like his producers have taken control, and they're the ones leading him. It's either the producers mm. or the the, the like directors. music producers, or uh, yeah, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody at the helm of if it's at the if it's at the record, not at the record shop, but the uh, the, the the record production uh, okay. building. You know, his A and R guy is like they're the ones that are in control now. They they're sort of the puppet that um, and they're going through and, and more like they're going through the motions of being, and that's the uh, rituals exactly hypnotized by the rituals going through the motions of being in this um, being uh, you know just to give my my thought away it's like being a star and being, oh what
0: if it's the band I'm 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 hijacking but I'm also building sure. up on, upon what you're thinking I'm hypnotized by rituals now that I'm on my own the band left Capitol Records right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they had been going through the motions with capital being on capital. And there's a lot of stuff that they go into uh, on a couple of recent podcasts where they are they talk about the mood of wanting to leave capital and how they went about doing that, which was, uh, you know, we want to have our masters. We want to have control of all this stuff. Um, and uh, so, yeah.
1: And that did come up in in uh, Shane Told's lead singer syndrome that you right. were you had said is, hey, this is required listening. Yeah, I, yeah. And I did listen to that. And, yeah, he, he does say that, uh, you know, they were they weren't actively fighting it, but they were thinking of, look, we got to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And move away from that.
0: Yeah. And so the band is tranquilized like an animal all because I lost control. So they felt they had lost control of the creative endeavor that they had done. They felt mm-hmm. tranquilized by an animal and because they were so hypnotized by the rituals they were going through they are now on their own feeling still in that hypnotic state maybe i don't know yeah i've i've got a guy there's, apparently there's only one contributor on uh, genius this rw49935 that wrote every annotation there's three uh on this song um and this person says the songwriter has been left alone possibly by someone he loves he's hypnotized by rituals or performing empty actions and coping with grief through routine this might also imply the actions that might have held meaning for him are no longer uh, before no longer have any meaning now that his loved one has left him and that these actions have been turned into nothing but rituals I'm just like, I feel like every Jimmy Eat World song we hear is about like a failed relationship. So now I'm like right. way on board with your theory about like producers, directors, right, label executives and stuff like that. I like that.
1: Right. And and could you imagine, could you picture in a music video for this going into the chorus? Now we're jumping already into the chorus. So we've just, we've oh got yeah, that, they're really that, into it. Yeah. Yeah. The hypnotizing little intro riff. Then you go into the verse one. Uh, which already says, hey, look, because I've lost control, then are you tuning into our conversation? Oh, yeah, you'll get your chance. The bigger, the brighter, the illuminated control the audience. There's so much in the chorus there. Yeah. The first line even, are you tuning into our conversation? Could that be interviews that they're going through? And It's like, hey, you've got an interview on Tuesday. Uh, mm. Make sure you're there to talk with ABC. They're going to have you on the morning show. Uh, they want to talk about, you know, show you, have you hold some puppies, and then you can <laughs> uh, talk about your new invented album.
0: Yeah, that could be. I don't be necessarily sure, get yeah.
1: the you'll get your chance part of it. Well, what but
0: if it's um, what if it's you're asking, are you turning into the conversation as the band is asking the label and then the label's response is, oh, yeah, 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 you'll get your chance. We'll listen to you in a minute.
1: <laughs> that sounds <laughs> a little bit more uh, uh more likely.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, well, then that then that also builds on this the second and third or the third and fourth lines there. The bigger, the brighter, the illuminated. The illuminated to me is just like how Rush sang. Um, you know, Neil Peart wrote this one, but uh, Limelight. And he did, you know, him. I don't know, he Rush. As a per- he as a person was very much, um, I guess you could say like a, like a recluse. He didn't like to be in the limelight. He just wanted to be a drummer and be in a cool rock band. So he didn't like the idea of mm. being in the limelight. So he wrote that song. Uh, to just to, to kind of show how he actually felt and how he was forced to be in that, but I'm getting this. So when I hear "illuminated," that's what I think of—the ones that are lit up on stage. And you know, coming yeah. after, oh yeah, you'll get your chance. The bigger you are, the brighter you are, the more noise you make, and the better you are for us financially. Oh, you'll be the ones that control the audience. Mm, mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now all I hear, it, now all I see is Clark. From the 555 video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just controlling when as, as he opens the bay doors and sees yeah. all of his minions but, below Yeah, him.
0: this is like the part where uh, the control the audience part is where he like very proudly takes his sunglasses off oh, and man. looks over the, the crowd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there may not actually be, but I still see put, a tear in That's Jim's what we eye. should
0: do is we should take the 555 video and just put this song underneath it.
1: Oh, man. Done. There we go. Right. There's our Thursday yeah. release. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, verse two.
1: Yeah. The weight of the world has dragged you down. And I think they're trying to feel... The, this verse always sounded like... So, okay, listening to this track, that verse, to me, sounded like Jim singing it, even though the whole song oh, is yeah. Tom, right?
0: It is, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's just... Maybe it's because I uh, the beginning, the first verse, and the chorus sounded so much like Tom that... When they sang, the weight of the world has dragged you down, it didn't sound that much like Tom. So I thought, maybe this is Jim singing in a different voice. (laughs) But clearly it's not. It's just Tom. Uh, And then what do you get from communications lost to the radio?
0: Well, I can tell you what uh, RW49935 said four years ago. let me know. The songwriter was trying to communicate with his loved one, but like static breaking up on a radio transmission, something has interfered. He loved the person but couldn't manage to tell them due to external influences or the inadequacy of the means of communication. What? I think
1: this is an homage to Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. Oh. And they're saying that they, if, if they can't compete with what's on the radio, which is, you know, that's that's the top stuff. They say... Um, and, and even Eric Grubbs mentioned this. You've got – as a band, you've got seven, eight great hits, but we're only going to be playing two or three on ro- on heavy rotation because mm-hmm. those are the ones that have proven uh, – you know, the listeners like those three. So it's like if you can't break the – if you can't break into being on the radio, what are we even doing here with, with yeah. funding you as a band?
0: Again, I think you're, uh, you're hitting the nail on the head. Uh, I, I think uh, this is about the band and labels. Yeah. Communication lost to the radio. Like, they're not even going to communicate with us un- uh, unless it's about making a radio single. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. You want to hit, man. And they're burning all their bridges down. Or by not listening to the label, the, the band is burning their bridges.
1: Right. And and you-, you know that everybody, you know, you won't work in this town again, that line that's been said in so many oh, films. This right? is so
0: right on, dude, because I may never be quite satisfied, but that's the only way I know. These guys came from, they are a pop band. But came from the punk rock scene. All
3: right.
0: they know is how to f- tell people to go fuck themselves,
1: right? Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dip back into the well of Eric Grubbs again because he talks about in his book the DIY ethic, which is essentially we can do this ourselves without the help of which
0: is exactly how Jimmy Eat World got signed by oh absolutely doing the right. book your own fucking tour or book your own fucking life uh, right s- setting yeah. up their own like booking company. <laughs> you know that story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh and then I am overcome with symphony sympathy sympathy symphonies. I'm <laughs> ah, overcome with the symphony. I'm overcome with sympathy for your for your pathetic soul. That's like Is it uh, him looking at himself from the outside saying that oh. he never sold out but now now look at where he is. He's there nowhere.
0: Oh, I thought they were just like basically saying like I feel sorry for you record executives. Um <laughs> or like what do they say in the south like um Oh, bless him! Like when really they mean like go fuck that guy can go fuck himself. Like, yeah, yes, um, it's not that. There's something way more cheeky, um, but that. Uh, and you know what's funny is like that line. I may never be quite satisfied, but that's the only way I know. And me talking about them coming from a punk rock background, I'm looking over the liner notes. Right, um, legal representation. Jill Berlinger and her ter- and her firm of people you don't want to fuck with. Like that's in the <laughs> liner notes. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> These are great liner notes. Now I wish I had to, I had that to see. I'll, I'll I'll upload it for you. Let's see yeah. if I can do it while we're on the phone. Um, so anyway, uh, and that's oh, and then it hit us with the bridge while I take these
1: photos. Yes. Uh, okay. So it, it's got the chorus a couple of times, and then it goes into which which I'm glad we can read these lyrics because it's very difficult to discern what Tom is saying. Uh, yes. Breathe in the air while you still can. Take all that you have while you still can. Sleep all night while you still can. Breathe.
0: Yeah, and it's his uh, cadence and everything is very stretched out, like uh, almost like Garbage Picker was. Um, remember, like, oh, uh, gosh, <laughs> cream dream, cream jeans,
2: <laughs> <laughs> cream jeans, dude. Well, they're kids. They're kids. You have to give yeah. them
1: that. Uh, yeah oh, so he's a breathe in yeah there's it's very fluid when they when they when they go through each line yeah and nice. i had no clue yeah. what they were saying uh but by the end when he just the, the, the fourth line of the bridge when he just says breathe and they do it again right do they they, they go again with the higher uh harmony and they go, i think it's like breathe. a breathe
0: breathe
1: yeah but I, that's where Fighting i think key. <laughs> it, yes, exactly. <laughs> take a moment to experience and take it in because it's fleeting. And before you know it, you as a band are going to be old news. True. True that. Right. And so that's what I, that's what I gather from the bridge uh, reading through, you know, what they're saying. And again, reiterating while you still can, while you still can, while you still can. All three different things, you know, while you still can, but different. Breathe it in. Take it all in. Sleep while you can. And then just Breathe. breathe. Hmm. Yeah, and then it's a structure. the chorus a couple more times. Uh, there was a, a quote that I wanted to refer back to from song meetings from Scotty Ballo. <laughs> Scotty Ballo. I, I liked what Scotty. Ba- I know, right? <laughs> what Scotty Ballo had said, and I wish it would tell. There it is. First amazing song. Second, even though I've been listening to punk rock for almost thirty years, so he's been around the block. Scotty Ballo, forty-four. I rarely understand what the hell the singers are saying. And even if I do, I don't usually analyze the songs. Something caught my ear tonight while listening to this after hearing hypnotized by the rituals and illuminated. I just knew that this had to be about the powers that be and probably has something to do with what Jew ha talk about. Irony has been exposed to being in entertainment, but it's pretty vague. I mean, Mm. aside from their last little sentence that, that kind of discounts what they were saying. I think they were on the right track. Yeah, saying, absolutely. This is this is totally in line with with a band or an individual being put in the position of being in the limelight and saying, hey, look, make us money or you're done. We're going to go on to the to act B if you can't do this.
0: Hell, yeah, he's he's in it with us, man.
1: Yeah. Scotty Balo, 44, 30 Hell years. Yeah. He's been listening.
0: Oh, I was about to say 30 years ago. He posted that. That's how prolific. <laughs> no, yeah. no, how long his song meanings has been around. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, one day
1: they're going to write a song. Like this. Yeah. Now do we um, have these liner notes? Um, these ones uploaded because these are I mean this is the cool No, I, I literally be. just
0: took that right now, so yeah. I will scan these in and upload them. One of these this days so cool. we'll put these up on the website because I, one of my biggest frustrations is that bands well, one of my biggest frustrations is bands don't really make liner notes anymore. Like even Blink's records, it's like thank yous is like our friends and family. It's like, oh well that's not fun. <laughs> um Right. Uh but uh This is like great little details, like the legal information, like uh, her and her firm of people you don't want to fuck with. It's so good. Um, And uh, and there's no like database of liner notes, like even Apple, like iTunes had like iTunes Plus, which was like, oh, we're going to do it like or iTunes LP where they're like, oh, we're going to have like full liner notes and things you can like bonus content and all that stuff. And no one ever bought anything because I think it was just like Dave Matthews band or something.
1: (laughs) Well, look, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do this. If I'll download our entire, when, when we get the page together, we'll, we'll put together one single page with the high-res scans or pictures of it. Yes. Not only that, but I will take, because you're taking your time to put in all this stuff, I will take down each one of those images, run them into Acrobats OCR, and yeah. then I will upload that text oh. and have that indexed, baby
0: yeah so anybody could, I, you yeah
1: i would love to have read that beforehand i didn't even think you know i don't have the, the liner notes couldn't find it on uh, discogs
0: discogs sure didn't have there. good photos of it yeah. and like even the one i sent you is a quick like what well, would be really nice to get these on a flatbed scanner but i don't have right. a flatbed that big um but the but the f- phone i have a really good like this i took with an app i think it's google's app called photo scan yeah and uh it'll use the flash on your camera to light the image well and then you you move the camera to hit all four corners so then the flash is dispersed among the entire image and then they stitch and it, it together and then it's super high res. Yeah. Um but uh anyway, I, I think Look this at
1: this is, as the weed the wheels of Jimmy Eat Pot are turning live.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean this is an a relatively okay scan for me, real quick, wanting to take a picture of it for you. Um I'm great.
1: Well, we'll have even better ones up on the page.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Oh, there's one little piece of audio. Actually, if you hit play on the rest of that from 103 or I can send you a separate file. Uh, they interviewed Zach on The Trap Set, which is a podcast. Um, uh, this was from January of last year. And specifically, again, this whole burning all your, Oh, not necessarily all burning all your bridges down, but the weight of the world has dragged you down. Um, specifically in this theory of us with the song, uh, the band is essentially having the weight of the world is dragging the band down. Right. So this little line from Zach on the trap set sort of sets that up is that after invented and damage, the band was kind of burnt out. So you can hear him uh, talk about that for a sec.
1: Here is the trap set. All right, here we go.
4: And I think on invented and damage, I think we were a little bit at that point, like on the gerbil wheel, gerbil wheel. And like, just like tour cycle. Tour make cycle, cracker, make an album, tour cycle, make an album, let's go, let's go, you know. And it was just sort of like we weren't really, we were sort of thinking inward a lot, I think. It, you know, our, like we were like, well, let's just do things the way we like to do them and have fun, you know. And we still do it that way, but we also like, I think after Damage, we, were, we got together to write material and it wasn't happening. And I don't think Jim was happy with what was going on. And Jim was like, let's just take a break for a year. You know, and I think um, that was like the best thing we ever did, because when we got back from that year, I think we sort of realized, OK, like, you know, we sort of need to prove to ourselves that we should still be making albums. You what know? did you do when you had that year off?
1: What did you?
0: So that uh, sorry, that was pretty much it.
1: That's OK. Know. But I do want to know what Zach did on his year. Uh, he did
0: the Wretched Desert <laughs> with his wife, which is yeah, uh, okay. awesome. Yes. Um,
1: which is worth worth a listen.
0: It is. Uh, so that's what he did. Jim went and did his solo shows, which we went up and saw. Um, and uh, looking ahead at our schedule, I'll be playing more from that show we were at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry, real quick, I looked up the TuneBat info, and I was kicking myself because I told myself, the next time we have a song that has TuneBat info, I'm going to do a mix. And that was the one thing I didn't do. I did a ton of research this time, did not include making a mix Um, so I was going to try to do it live in the pod, um, and send you, (laughs) send you a file, but I would have to monitor it. It, it, Unfortunately, here's, here's the, here's, here's what I have from Toombat is that the BPM on action needs an audience is 131. None of the songs that it has a harmonic mixing with are the same BPM. So I couldn't just line them up and look for like the one and right. just blindly do it by the waveform. So this would have been too much work I feel like anyway. Um but one of the songs is a Sparta song and I was like, "Oh, the drummer from Sparta was on disintegration. I should mix yeah. it with this Taking Back Control song." Um but it's a 161 BPM. So anyway, <laughs> uh it's in D minor action needs an audience. Camelot of 7A, classic Camelot. Uh oh, um, classic. Uh, Toonbat has it listed as 240. You said you saw it 244 somewhere.
1: Um, yeah, that was on the Wikipedia page for mm, that album. I see. Uh, Track listing. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. BPMs 131. Danceability is 51. Energy is 95. Happiness is 49. And it's a. Uh,
1: yeah, I get the happiness. It's a. It's not that. Uh, it's not that uh, uppity. No pop. Yeah. It's and very so, much. Uh, it. It's already. It's, it's in a minor. It's you a said minor. D minor. It's a right? D minor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course,
0: it's in D because Jimmy. Oh will. yeah. Everything's in drop D. Um, yeah. and then since we're talking about um I, I was tr- it, it was uh, listed as a popular song. Our boy Jake T. O'Donnell has this listed. Uh this is in his bottom 50. Like bottom. 50, 50 so and up. 50 and up. Yeah.
1: 50 and up. All yes. right. Um, I'm gonna guess this is oh, my heart says 67.
0: Oh, 78. Oh. Uh, when I met Tom before a show in Boston in 2007, I asked why he hadn't had a lead vocal performance on any Jimmy World record since Clarity in 99. He responded simply, it was band policy that he could only sing lead for songs he wrote. So in the three years between then and Invented, he apparently wrote Action Needs an Audience. The first live appearances of the song in 2009-ish range had uh, actually had Jim on lead vocals. It was surprising then that when Invented came out and Tom was singing it, Uh, It's a complex rocker with a kick-ass main riff and overall a song that would have fit perfectly on the early Jimmy Eat World records. Any song with Tom singing about the Illuminati, and (laughs) and that is what I did wonder is the Illuminated is the Illuminati reference, Uh, Uh and uh, prophesizing uh, about the end of the world is exactly what I would want from a song of his action needs an audience was apparently all Tom could muster so far this century, because it's the only song he's written for 20 years now. And there's no indication he wrote anything for surviving. And that's okay because Tom is the man (laughs) and this song rocks. Um, uh, So yeah, he goes into mention
1: that the riff too.
0: Yeah. And uh, fuck, I was thinking of something while I was reading that. Oh, so he talks about the, the um, complex nature of the song do you have the song queued up? Yeah, I do. Listen to Zach's kick pattern. It's really diff- like if I sat down at a kit, I could mostly fumble my way through some Jimmy World songs. Like for the most part. This one would be a tough one for me.
1: Is this one of those do do cat do 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 cat cat? All right, here we go. This yeah. is this is it. We'll actually listen to him playing it. Instead yeah, of <laughs> yeah, yeah. just me <laughs> mouthing it.
0: harmony. This is very 90s. Oh, this
1: totally.
2: This is like
0: Soundgarden. Yes. <laughs> Black holes. sun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Partially due to those harmonies that they layer in Yeah, there. what
0: is that? Like a diminished uh, harmony? Like a diminished yeah. third? I'm going to make... A, I'm putting words together. <laughs> and then, so yeah... With Zach's kick pattern, usually songs are set up as, like, um, bars of four. So, like, pretty much if you play the first four bars, other than, like, transitions like rolls and cymbal hits and stuff like that, you're always going to keep playing that same four over and over again for the verse, and then the chorus might have a different four with, like, a crash instead of a hi-hat. This, the kick pattern is, like, an entire 16 bars. It's, like, on... I, I. can't go into detail cuz i don't know but he's not always hitting the double everything is a double kick and not like a double kick like a skate punk double kick but everything is like boom boom like you said yes, boom yeah. ka, boom 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 ka but it's not that every time it's like boom boom ka boom 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 ka, ka boom boom ka, boom, 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 ka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nuts yeah yeah the yeah like you said it's,
1: it's 16 did uh did you say like four full measures it's like 16 w- would that be you know it's, it's
0: yeah it's not four of the same f- count of right. four they can't yeah they can't Each repeat count that. of four is a different kick pattern it's it's yeah. it's very <laughs> intricate and i think jake yeah. hit the nail on the head i don't know if he was specifically talking about zach's kick pattern but i made a note about it because i was like fuck i can't like my like shin would be so <laughs> wrecked at the end of this <laughs> and
1: well, zach's is reinforced
0: yeah like i was listening. Uh, Wes is really into uh you've heard the new main album called you are okay
1: I have not heard it yet. No. Okay.
0: The opening track is called "Slip the Noose," which we don't. He doesn't know it by that name. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he calls it "Breaking Down," but they're very restrained in the kick. Drum. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Let's 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 play it live. Let's play "Slip the Noose" because I know Wes would love it. Um, even though he doesn't listen to the podcast, um, and that way you can hear it. But you'll hear how Ready sparse for the kick drum is. Yeah. Let's let's uh, yeah. And we're specifically listening to how sparse the kick drum is in this versus how prevalent it is in action needs an audience. watch here in the first very
2: sparse
0: like I would hit kick there again right you know like they're playing it for four
1: bar for four bars they've got the the two hits of the bass drum right and
0: and where you would almost feel like it would be again they only do it right there at the end during the transition Right. It's, uh, anyway, a very, very stark difference between how much Zach is hitting. The yeah. He's just
1: like, how many times can I fit my bass drum in <laughs> and make it different? Yeah. So it doesn't sound like skate punk. This is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he's not like <laughs> doing double bass, like the double. <laughs> like, right. <laughs>
1: Which have you ever heard him play anything like that? Does, probably is the early his style right probably
0: the early stuff but no i haven't heard him do like a straight up smelly beat for like a no effects like lag wagon
1: <laughs> smelly beat
0: <laughs> well smell yeah the no effects drummer his name is smelly but yeah, like yeah like i always think of linoleum fuck it let's do it live play linoleum <laughs> this is, you're like my siri hey justin play linoleum by no effects right, let's listen to this. this is double this is like a double kick
1: Oh. Yeah, there you go. Those
2: <laughs> guitars. Crazy. <laughs>
0: Could you imagine your shin? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, does he doesn't buddy. do that with a double kick pedal. He does that with one foot. My friend, know
2: me out. Know me out.
1: Now, that video that you and I watched the other day of them playing live with the orchestra, was yes. that the song that they opened with? The,
0: uh, w- what do you mean opened with? Oh, uh, at that show? That, no, that I think show. that was the last song. I think that was oh, okay, the last okay. song, yeah. And when I saw him, I think it was like one of the last songs. Um, you, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Uh, oh, could you imagine your chin yeah. playing that? <laughs> did you got, did, you got, did you he got? Did he got? Did he got? And he does it, man. He does it single foot. Like he doesn't do like like uh, like metal bands. I don't know enough metal songs, but metal bands have the double kick. Uh, wh- the the pedal next to the hi hat. And uh right. they'll do it that way. And like there are punk bands that do it like, but they'll do it like with transitions. Like I don't know anybody that plays like the no effects beat with a double kick pedal, if that makes now, sense. No, like
1: I want to ask 484 4A4 JE Pod, if you know this as a drummer, or maybe you know this, David. There so there's there's the two drum um there's the two drum pedals, the one by the hi-hat, your left foot, and then there's your normal drum pedal, your both tied pedal, into yeah. chains, right? Yes. Now is there also Besides having one single kick drum, is there also a one pedal double yes. kick drum that when, yeah, yeah so when you, you rock you, it. When yeah,
0: you it, I think they're called rockers. I wouldn't know for sure. Uh-huh. You have 484JE pod, but uh, you do heel <laughs> and toe, but Smelly does not do that. And Travis Barker, he can do the double kick sound as well. Uh, I mean, do we go down that path? You could play the song <laughs> Cynical from California, um, but he uh, doesn't do it often, but he can do that double kick. Uh, with a single foot.
1: Alright, let's hear that on Cynical.
0: Oh, yeah, fuck it. Why
2: not?
0: This has a dope intro from There's Travis. Right? The
1: phone he
0: actually messes up in the studio, and you can hear him, and they kept it, it on the record. Again. How punk rock. So punk. He even does it live. <laughs> <laughs> but this is essentially like a nod to linoleum anyway
1: man I really like this album
0: oh it's so good <laughs> Now what's the double-kicked Weezer song? <laughs> uh,
1: dude, I don't even think there is one that I can think of. I don't know if Patrick does that sort of thing.
0: I will bet he could. I'll bet like during soundcheck or something, he really fucks it up, dude. <laughs> he
1: yeah. Now he's an accomplished drummer, uh, but I think his thing is the like the syncopated drumming where he'll have um, he'll have the hi hat going like tss, 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 and
0: then the bass will be like boom boom boom
1: ka. Boom, boom, mm. boom kah, Where it's a little offbeat.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's got like full autonomy over his limbs. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. But but I don't know if he plays anything where it's that fast. I remember that I can being think of really impressed with their tiny desk concert, and I don't remember why off the top of my head right now. But I watched it recently, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" And he's really killing it over there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, he's always he's like a responsible uh, drummer. He's one that you can a, a Drum dependable, responsible guy as a drummer. It's like you want to sit on there, Patrick.
0: Yeah, man, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, Blink one fifty five says Travis Barker sounds like he's loading a dishwasher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so did you say was that one with just a single straight pedal or yeah, was that yeah, the yeah, one yeah. Where Travis doesn't
0: play a double kick? Okay, yeah, it's sick. Yeah, I don't know anybody that plays a rocker uh, pedal, but if anybody knows, I, I not only do I want to know if that's what it's called, but I want to know if I can, I want to listen to a record where somebody's playing that skate punk beat with either a double kick or the rocker, um, double kick. Um, right. But, see uh, if
1: there's a, like a discernible difference. Yeah. I mean, there. I
0: suppose no one would put something out where I could hear the difference, but <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what though? I, it's weird. Cause I've, I've, I sat in on a, I played bass on a demo for a band And uh, the guy that produced it, he was like in some band and he knew some people that did Riot, the Paramore record. Uh And he was like complaining that you could hear in some songs like the the chain on the kick pedal. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, what are you? He's like, I can't believe they made this mistake. It's like a hundred thousand dollar record. And I was like, this guy's either so full of shit or I really don't know what I'm listening for. Right. (laughs) He was like complaining that you could hear the you could hear the kick pedal in the record or something, oh, I know. was weird.
1: Well, is isn't there like a, a thin line between an aficionado and like a snob, where <laughs> you know it, it's like now you've just you've ruined this album for me because now all I'm going to hear is the chain yeah. that I never heard before you had mentioned it. Yeah, but I don't know. It's I think it's all about it. Aside from mixing, I'm sorry. Aside from mastering, it's really about mixing because there's so many things in listening to Christian Hands. Uh, podcast about when he breaks down track by track and get it and, and doesn't do it uh with software i mean he actually gets the individual tracks right and you yeah, yeah. Hear i've heard of that how yeah. much yeah how lax they are with with some of the tracks because they're gonna mix it down anyway yeah, once yeah you're, you're gonna, not gonna lose that, that stuff.
0: whatever you know like let's say you can hear the chain on the kick drum like are you you're not gonna hear it once the bass is in there like don't worry about it yeah
1: yeah that yeah that's it that's gonna drag along the whole track and maybe if you actually listen when they're kicking
0: Yeah, I tell people that um, like when I'm editing um, uh, and I'm I I will fuss over a music transition more than some of my uh, peers that are way far and above me. And they're like like trailer level editors and stuff like that, which is an entire art in in and of itself. Like I'll be like, uh, oh, I want to get this music timed out just right but really like if you put the right transition in it and if people are talking and all that stuff like it doesn't have to count out it doesn't have to be a perfect like right divisible by 4 like beat <laughs> like and so when you deliver the stems you're like fuck this music sounds like shit but like once you put the <laughs> once you put the effect track and the dialogue stems on like you don't hear any of that stuff and like um yeah I, it becomes like what's more important the message or the quote unquote art you know right <laughs> right um, so, yeah, man, um what al- I
1: could only I could only find one thing
0: uh, on the subreddit about this. yeah, I and didn't see much was that the um, it was com-, com
1: panda's uh post from eight months ago Action needs an audience gym version. Anyone know why they changed it from mm, gym to Tom? Mm-hmm. I love the Tom version, but the gym one was pretty good. also, it was my first experience with
0: the song, which is cool. so they
2: must yeah. have
1: i I wonder if they watched the YouTube video. Or if they were actually at the Weenie Roast.
0: Yeah, I had to look and see if I was at that Weenie Roast. I remember I was at a Weenie Roast. Let me just look it up real quick in my photos. I was at yeah, a Weenie Roast at Irvine with Jimmy Eat World. And who else played there? Um, yeah, I feel like this 2009 is probably too late. Because I think Transplants played. Hazen Street played. Alkaline Trio played. My Chemical Romance, Foo Fighters. Um, those were the days, man. Um, <laughs> Get them all together. Yeah, I don't have. Um, I guess I didn't. I didn't label it uh, correctly. Let's see if I search for Irvine. Uh, nope. I see lots of. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. that's oh, okay. Um, I don't think it was that year. If transplants were playing there, that uh, it was probably 2004, 2005. Yeah, and, this was, and this was 2009, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a long time before that. I didn't go to a yeah. lot of weenie roasts. Um, I saw not been Reddit's- to a weenie roast. Oh, uh, I don't think you'll ever go to one again now with Kevin and being gone and with COVID-19. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody on Reddit posted the link to the Jimmy Jim vocal version and they called it Frankenstein. Um, which made me think like, oh, the doctors just want their audiences. It somehow is his, are his lyrics about like, there's no explanation about why this user called it Frankenstein. Um, but, like, is that the Doctors Need Their Audience? Is that, like, Dr. Frankenstein? That was from Ooh. Gabe 51, user Gabe 51, a year ago. Said Frankenstein, in in uh, parentheses, actually needs an audience. But never says anything about why he called it Frankenstein. Um, and That's then, interesting. Uh, oh, so the other thing, I, not on Reddit, but I saw a lot of talk. Every time I see the song brought up, it's, like, bottom tier Jimmy Eatat World. And up until now, we're, what, an hour into this episode. Um, we love this song. Like, the song is pretty good. <laughs> like, right. Um, I think JT O'Donnell nailed it. It sounds, I guess, more like an older Jimmy Eat World song than like a, you know, a 2010 version of Jimmy Eat World. But it's still a banger. Like,
1: right. Uh, and I wonder if it would be more forgettable if it was actually Jim singing it and the fact that because Tom is the vocalist on this and he wrote the the lyrics for this one. I think maybe that, that's, that's why
0: that's people's I, issue. I think with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe it could have been both ways. Maybe it's more, it's, I don't know. What is that? It's, it's more talked about now because it's a Tom song. And maybe they just said, you know, we're going to write this off because we don't like Tom's voice. I don't know what it is. I dare.
0: Um, I'm daring people call the pod line and let us know what you think of this song. 44 four J E pod. I want to yeah. hear, I want to hear the hate. I want to hear the scorn. I want to hear the love forty four right. J pub.
1: <laughs> yeah, because if we had an option of saying, "Hey, look, uh, Jimmy World is going to have a poll, and you can have this as a Jim song, or if you have this as a Tom song, and you know that like, you could change history, and, and and we will repress this as a mastered remastered album," I don't think I want to change it.
0: Yeah, there are things I, I actually like the idea of maybe them switching off. Like, are there any songs where they do like a first verse Jim, second verse Tom thing? Not that off the top of my head, no. there's not one like that. Obviously, one <laughs> will sing harmonies. I don't even think there's one where one sings the verses, one sings the choruses. Off the top of my head. 44 J-Pod, proves wrong. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah. And then the last thing I saw for Community, unless you have anything else, is this guy Alex Kyle on the Facebook group, Jimmy Eat World Fans Facebook group. Has this theory about Clarity and Invented being secret sister albums. Uh, did, did you see this? No, I did not. So let me let me give you his premise and then I'll go to specifically this song. I've been cultivating this idea, or my best theory, if you'd like, for a little while and <laughs> now, and whilst it's not perfect, I believe it might help explain why Invented is the way it is, and why <laughs> I don't really know what he means by that. Uh, and why I believe that it's essentially a sister record to Clarity in a way no other Jimmy album to date is. Uh, It is worth pointing out that whilst I draw many comparisons here. They are not suggesting that these songs on the two records are directly comparable. They have a different sonic presentation to them and are dissimilar enough to not feel like copies of one another. So when I say they're sisters, they are definitely not twin sisters. I believe this is why it's taken me so long to arrive at this conclusion. There's also 11 years between the releases, which is a huge amount of time for a band. Obviously you will not all agree with me and I might encourage some, and it might encourage some debate, but that's fine. Right. Um, that's (laughs) kind of why we're all here or we'd be posting. I love Jimmy world all day. And then just liking each other's comments. Right. Um, okay. So then he's going to get down to it. So here's specifically what he had to say about, uh, um, Uh, Action needs an audience. So uh, firstly, there is an important common element to both clarity and invented. Mark Trombino. Oh, this is just more of that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I copied and pasted so much, but this is still him setting up the thing. Uh, about the two records some of you know uh maybe some of you don't is but whatever your opinion i don't see how you could argue with the importance of this man in shaping both the sound and the songwriting of the band in my opinion he's one of the best record producers and engineers in the world and has put on some sterling work with art some other artists too the f- uh the first finch album anyone mark worked <laughs> with jimmy on static prevails clarity bleed american futures i'll get to that in a minute which we don't go into right now invented and the stay on my side uh, EP. What an incredible body of work. Again, some of you may uh know others, but not what some of you may know others not, but the band fired. I don't know. Uh, some of you guys may know or not that the band fired Mark while recording futures due to a disagreement. They later sorted out. I won't go into too much detail. Otherwise I'll derail this whole thing, but needless to say his importance <laughs> cannot be understated in the rise of the mighty Jimmy. What Trombino excels in doing is putting together records that have been, that have an amazing flow to them and keep you gripped all the way through. He does not like to top load with all the best stuff early and then leave all the guff to the later tracks. He makes great albums without being on the side of the process. It's uh so so impossible to say how much control sat with the band or mark in terms of creative control and presentation and some things seem to be clear from the end result to me so here it is the one line and a half about my uh,
1: goodness what this a, is what speci- a preface
0: so well because we'll probably go back to this i want to set that yeah. up now gotcha because i'll probably go back to it in either a clarity or an invented episode mr tom linton is back vocally Amazingly placed, huh? Action needs an audience is clearly invented's blister, right? Why has Tom suddenly taken lead vocals on an album track for the first time since Clarity? Why was it placed here of all places? Coincidence? I think not. People. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So yeah, that's Alex Kyle's theory on the Jimmy Eat World fans Facebook group,
1: based on the fact that there's one Tom song on this.
0: Uh, I I think it's where it is in the album sequence gotcha and and that's what i was trying to look at so yeah. yeah blister is track 11 and then this is track 10 so i i could see he's he's got the tracks in his post it's a very very long post i mean my intro was like what 10 minutes of the fucking podcast yeah um <laughs> I, I should I, what i could have done was read it and then given you the reader's digest version but that's not what we do here on Jimmy Eat Pod. no we don't
1: <laughs> we expand
0: yeah baby um he he uh separates the songs out in a way that say like these are like the act and stuff. I love that we're starting to get like, like all these crazy theories. Like when we go to static, we can go to that guy that has this theory that it's like a rock opera. And like, right. <laughs> and now we have clarity and invented being the same thing, even though like since then integrity blues, I would say is their like new clarity, but that is more of like a, like a, to me, like a mood, a mood sequel <laughs> in a way. Um, like if I want to hear more clarity, I just listen to integrity blues. um, <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah but it, this is this has also been admitted by the band to be their closed narrative. Uh, this album album. Yeah. yeah based on photographics, uh, photographic works of, of Cindy Sherman and Hannah Starkey. And that's directly from uh, the Wikipedia. But that that that's admitted by the band. So yeah. I don't I don't see how I mean, I just I think that that just happens to be a coincidence. Yeah. And,
0: uh, and man, do I love the photography was, in this because, I, again, I didn't I was. For sure that i did not own this on vinyl so when i did i was very excited to open it up and see more photos so we've got our girl on the front walking into the kitchen area of a restaurant maybe um and then you open it up and you got a girl looking into a very dirty mirror insanely dirty um maybe in a hotel room uh maybe uh i can't tell she's like on a yeah, I would say maybe a hotel room or a lobby or something. And then next to it, it looks very like, uh, do you remember the album Dusk and Summer by Dashboard Confessional? Yeah, this photo would have been in that album liner. Like it's a silhouette of a girl taking her top off on a beach, but silhouetted to a sunset behind her with and It looks like she's on a beach. Um, so there's no detail you can just see like the outline of her body and she's got her arms up taking her top off um and then on the back another silhouette of a girl looking out of a window i'm gonna send you this picture because i want to argue about what this car is <laughs> i believe this is like a kia sorrento um a, a kia sorrento yeah here i'm gonna send you uh i'm gonna send you this photo tell me what you think that car is out that window. I think it's, or you know, it's a Subaru of some sort, maybe. I kind of felt like it was maybe a Kia. But anyway, it's a girl looking out of a window into like a, like maybe in New York uh, with like brownstone walk-ups and stuff like that. But then there's like this red hatchback.
1: Oh, that is. Or is that like a RAV4? No, no, no. I think you're on the right track. It's not a Kia. It's not a Kia Sorento. Uh, let me look at that one. Yeah, so that that it, that <laughs> is one of those um, cars that was their their image is the globe.
0: It's a not Geo. A Kia,
1: it's a Geo. It's a Geo hmm. tr- a Tracker. Hmm, let's see. I think it's a Geo
0: Tracker. Geo Tracker. Uh, that's giving. Okay, Chevy. Try. Oh yeah, I think you're right, dude. Let's find the red one.
2: Ah. Uh,
0: it's got a gray. Um, so
1: yeah, it's got a gray the- base and a red top. It's either that or that could also be a very old a Subaru uh, Impreza. Like the the uh, the one that looks like a station yeah, wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if I can find a red and gray. Yeah, red, gray. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know, man. That looks more like it. The Subaru.
0: Yeah. Uh, a little yeah. little bit of a roof rack going I think it's on. A, a legacy. Yeah, there you go. Subaru legacy. I wonder whose legacy that is or is that she's looking out on what could be her legacy.
1: Oh man, yeah, you know what? You are right. This is <laughs> <laughs> This is much deeper. And the photographer, I don't know, did we talk about the photographer last time? We did um, a little bit, yeah. Ken Schles? I mean, we talked about it. he's got some very deep pieces. You look at his, he shoots a lot in black and white, New York Times and Time Magazine, um Named him a uh, invisible city among the notable photo books, so he must put out a photo book. But a very reputable photographer for this that they hired, not just somebody, um, you know, to come. You know, right, hey, this was on your phone. This looks good. Yeah, They're very. Well, oh, form, essentially formed formed what they
0: did with uh, with uh, the the guy that did futures that we got on the pod.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a great photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, hey, look this. This is a cool photo. I mean, he didn't even know, right? Yeah, no, he didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, so that was all I had for the community. I didn't have much else um, on that thread. Uh, Minty901 explained why they had, he he went on to explain, and then Pebble
0: Swift replied to that, I think Rick needs to write some lyrics. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah. Rick was on a podcast recently that I listened to. Um and he talked a little bit about the early days of the band and stuff like that. I'm going to I'm going to mine that for content as we go forward. But Excellent. it was a good little interview, especially hearing Rick talk that much. <laughs> um so yeah, man. Um do you have covers? So I do. All right. But
1: they are interesting covers. Yeah. Were you did you ever play Need for Speed? <laughs>
0: That's so dude there's so much need for speed content with this song this,
1: i was amazed that there are so many variations on this song in one game need i didn't for know. Speed shift to unleashed yeah so nuts there's a gladiator remix a dirty remix and then a, a cinematic the cinematic remix. remix and then the, oh, there's dude. a nightcore version of one of those Oh my gosh. I got it. I can't wait to hear the nightcore version. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's uh, fucking let's start start at the beginning and work our way down. <laughs> so are you are you going to queue them up and watch together? Uh sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me uh Sweet. let's see. So oh, I, there's a couple live videos. Do I care to watch those? No. It sounds like the fucking album. Uh okay. <laughs> so uh let's say copy link address. I'm going to paste it in this bitch and then get rid of the playlist. Okay, which one are we Fixing to watch oh it's being all bitchy i don't know it's not loading oh here we go this is oh this is just okay not only does the racing community love the song but i just found a photo montage with the song set to like race cars
1: like is this is this the uh, the thread on youtube where the people say are these the are these the cars that the the musicians drive <laughs> do they own these cars
0: <laughs> i didn't look at the comments yeah. Oh shit. Is it just this car the whole time? Oh no, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just a bunch of cars. It's so bizarre. Uh okay, that's a different. Oh, that's right. I see. I cho- I have a bunch of videos of people just setting the song to weird stuff. Do we... <laughs> let's do the weird stuff thing. Right. And it'll just be really quick. Um, Yeah, sure. So that's just a bunch of cars. Here's somebody doing a Castle Crashers playthrough, and for some reason, I don't know what Castle Crashers is. It's a video game of some sort. Um, So I don't know. Is this somebody's twist? It sounds like some kind of ad in between uh, Bejeweled. Yes, yes, yeah, totally. (laughs) So it's just this person playing this like Game Boy Color looking game. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all these and cut a little montage of all of these weird things that people set this song to. Um, uh, so that way everybody can see kind of all of the things that people decided to set this song to.
1: Um, <laughs> and I, you know what? Looking at Castle Crashers, this is one of those. I think it has up to four players simultaneously. Uh, uh, I see. It started out as PC, but maybe it was built on Unity. But And it can be, it's on a bunch of different platforms, but it's a fun game. Okay. Uh
0: this is <laughs> This is like a, a tour <laughs> announcement video. So do they replay this one or they they restart it cuz it's 5 minutes long? Oh yeah, what? Uh, this is like clip art. I don't understand what's happening. It's like a It's like a video flyer or something.
2: Okay, let's let's skip
0: forward and see what's uh... <laughs> They have <laughs> Oh now it's like a can you pinpoint it i don't know what song that is yeah uh let's Does, see what it doesn't say in the credits says. down below it might let's see uh were they forced into that second song is check yes juliet by we the kings oh i think i really like that song hold on are we about to listen to more music on the spot
2: are you listening
0: i think it's that song Yeah, I love this
2: song.
0: <laughs> I don't understand what I'm looking at. It looks like a Wolfenstein like mod. Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Why does that sound like Motion City soundtrack?
0: That does kind of sound. Uh, fuck it. Let's play my favorite Motion City soundtrack What's your favorite <laughs> Motion City soundtrack song? Um, it's their. I, you know, I like Let's Get Fucked Up and Die. Oh, that's a good one. I like El that. Fugad. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, I like this song called Time Turned Fragile, Um, and since it's the episode where we talk about drums, I specifically love the drums in the bridge, so let's jump to that. They're like Mark Hoppus is producing this record. We gotta play like Travis Barker. Oh, what a good song! If I was recording that, that would be twelve different
1: layered tracks to try and get that that sound. Yeah, one for the roll, one for the ride, bell (laughs) all alone. (laughs) Each Tom is like, I'm gonna do the Tom. This is Tom one,
0: Tom two, and Tom three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) okay back to i think that i think i have like two more with like weird i'm gonna fucking go ahead i'm not playing much of them um okay so this is called first i don't is this it's like a boxing game oh fight night man that's intense that's a really good game just a fight night montage Mm -hmm. um And then, oh, this was, I found this very endearing. Um, This is just like somebody said it to their kid learning to ski on the bunny slope. Oh. Yeah. Uh, So I thought this was cute. And I don't think it's the first song. So let's see. uh, Yeah. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Like, why? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right.
1: I don't know if they have enough time in the rest of this video for it to finish.
0: No, they definitely don't. Let's see how they end it. Um, It's probably like the album they had in the car on the way up to the ski trip.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they've already run the credits. (laughs) Hey, at least they faded it out, right?
0: Oh, yeah, man. That's nice. Good job. Um, And then, let's see. Copy link address. I think this is one of those video game mods where it's like Guitar Hero. But they learned how to mod, yeah, rocksmith.
2: It's a pretty
0: cool interface. I, yeah, I like the little slide, <laughs> and they have like a little light <laughs> yeah thing that you follow. Okay, I think this might be the first Need for Speed shift to mega pro turbo
1: i I had the order of going gladiator dirty and cinematic
0: okay uh, Um, here's the gladiator oh it's so epic
1: oh man
0: shift to this is like menu music when you're like uh waiting yeah you're you're like waiting for the uh in the game lobby to get online
1: Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, lobby music, not, yeah, not just settings, but just (laughs) lobby music. And there's a lot of love for this
0: song in the comments for each one of these. Dude, I had, like, five to choose, five videos to choose from for the Gladiator mix, like, it's nuts.
1: Did you ever play Gran Turismo? Uh,
0: not that I remember. I was like I remember I got really into Burnout Paradise for a while. Yeah. I liked being able to just drive wherever and crash and I didn't have to race but I could.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Gran Turismo was definitely, you know, you've got to finish. There was I, I was just really into it. I remember yeah. decking out a, a Mitsubishi GTO once that thing was turboed and, and decked out, <laughs> you can you could beat anyone.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just
2: this. Yeah.
0: Just insane, like, lobby music. It doesn't go anywhere. Like, let's jump oh. to the end. Like, yeah. Yeah, and they just
1: gave they gave the uh, the bridge an extra little boost of reverb in there.
0: Yeah, and this feels cinematic, but let's listen to the cinematic remix.
1: Oh, you know what? Before we go, real quick. You know what? I'm sorry. There was our Hayato's quote that... Um, Who's that? This was in the quotes underneath the Gladiator remix, and I oh. loved how he put this. So he goes... Uh, you have to think about it at i think it was gets good at 109 but he, his quote uh, refers to 124 which is kind of where we skip to imagine a racer washing his face in a locker room before a race <laughs> he looks down at an old photo puts on his helmet for the race while all the pit crew guys are getting prepared and doing final t- fine tuning he's walking toward the car <laughs>
0: That's Fitz, so epic. Somebody says, yeah. fits good into Rush, 2013 yeah. movie. <laughs> oh, man. I just wanted to say that. Go ahead and go into the Dirty Remix. Oh, man. How weird. So, uh, oh, uh, let's see. Dirty Remix. I was going to play the cinematic one. That was the one I oh. had queued up. Oh, okay. Uh, let's, let's listen.
1: Man, it's just, it's driving Now, when you get a chance, jump to one minute and 30 seconds. This is just the bridge again, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: This is so bizarre. <laughs> but I love it.
1: Your gym in the background, yeah, right? man.
0: It's so tight, they got the stems and everything. They did it right, oh. man. This isn't like some fan remix, okay? This no, is real this is proper, deal, real deal. Holyfield, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> it's weird, like in the playlist settings, I can't tell. Oh, uh, no, that's Nightcore. Do I? I may not have the dirty remix. fucking Play me the dirty remix, all right, baby. man. Here is the dirty remix. Oh hell yeah! I feel unstoppable right now. I do. I know. Uh, I got that like telephone
2: filter.
0: Oh hell yeah! Yeah.
1: Now, um, isn't that great? That's so good. <laughs> then is your is is the Nightcore part of the Need for Speed group?
0: Mm, I don't. How would I know that? It's I don't know. Uploaded by Zephyr Thirty Seven. Music action needs an audience. Jimmy World Nightcore. But and the
1: reason why I say that is because just just to give credit to the composers. So this one says remix composers include uh, Raman Jawadi from Iron Man. Trolls, Foman British Academy, award-winning composer for trailers and TV promos, heavy melody music, Need for Speed, uh, a different one, Stephen Baystead and Mick Gordon. Every song was remixed four times by the composers, with each showing a new part of the driver's emotional journey. So I didn't know if you had the fourth one.
0: Whoa, no, uh, not that I know of.
1: But anyway, I wanted to credit those guys, because maybe we can't find the fourth um, remix, but I would love to, in the meantime, hear... You're the Nightcore
0: (laughs) I see Maybe the Nightcore is part of it This is like This is the guy on meth Uh, So (laughs) And what's weird is It's a remix Nightcore So it's like This is the lobby music version So this is the Gladiator remix Nightcore Ah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're really leaning into those bridge vocals man <laughs> yeah i wonder why those yeah uh here's here's some, somebody then took those remixes and then did a fan-made trailer for a reveal trailer for battlefield one It says that he used the Gladiator remix, but this even sounds different. Unless he remixed the remix. <laughs> this is YouTube Bruiser user SB. He got in there early. Yeah, this trailer's is is almost tense. done. This game looks tight. Yeah, it does. Oh, I don't know, there's horses. And nights anyway, wild that, and crazy stuff
1: well, doesn't that also show you that there's so much more to a song than you might than you might realize on the surface level,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah totally that's just so cool that, that people can put those together, and I know that the the other production for Need for Speed was a professional. Uh, level of uh, composition and production but yeah still that they, they just took bits and pieces you know and, and you're right like they got the they got the vocal stems from they, the production company i don't know whoever it was but they did it properly and yeah. listen to that there's f- four different versions we heard there so tight
0: oh man <laughs> what other covers do you have i have some boys um, in their rooms and then i went and found a couple things on instagram today
1: let me see um i've got Yeah, maybe we can go through that. I have a couple on YouTube. One that's, uh, it's Cold Atria, and not, he even says not the best take, but the right guitar, except not really, because I'm pretty sure what I'm playing is, uh, let's listen to this one. This is Cold Atria. Oh, he just plays along with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really, so Cold Atria, uh, keep rocking on, but uh, we're going to pass that one up.
0: Uh, And then you get kim ryden who i think is also doing that that uh play along jazz i only have one other from youtube and it's from the scheme okay yeah i saw the scheme i think that's a full band cover isn't it
1: yeah it is what did i
0: write about them i think i wrote that they're like very boxcar racer uh
1: yeah and they sing low on the chorus so they don't sing up let's listen to this it's a couple minutes Oh, yeah, and they are non-English speaking, too.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And the reason why I mention that is just because I I always love when people who have a different main language sing. You know, yeah. English lyrics as as a like an English or an American band. Um, and it was a different take. I like that they kind of went under. It's almost like they sang the harmonic part of
0: it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, I sent you a couple boys playing it in their room, but I don't think they're playing along. I think they're playing. So I don't know. There's Brent Johnson and okay. Brent Johnson again. Is it the same dude twice?
1: Dude, it's the same dude twice, man. He's sitting down in one and then standing up. Same guitar. Oh. It's a Gibson SG with the cutaway. No, no, that's a that's a, uh, a, a less.
0: He was really feeling the song in July of last year, so we got two videos. Okay,
1: of him doing it. here we go, Brent Johnson. You get two two uh, features here.
0: I remember now. For some reason, he put or left the Jimmy Eat World tags on his Metallica cover. That's a problem with copying and pasting your tags because that's why I had him twice. And that's why I thought he was feeling this a lot in July. What happened is he posted video and then pasted his tags from the previous video and forgot to delete them. Uh, Another bummer
1: with Instagram is I can't control the volume level. So there's no way that I'm going to be able to hear you if you say anything over this.
0: (laughs) So this was a classic judge your book by its cover thing. So you'll see Brent Johnson and then Johnston. And then below him is this uh, Chadi Hamza. Uh Chadi Hamza looks like he's playing like a fretless seven string. And I was like, oh, that's the dude that played Metallica. I'm not going to send that to Justin. But fuck, judged a a book by his cover because I thought he was playing something else. So um play Brent's real Jimmy here we go cover. here's
1: here's the Jimmy roll cover from Brent Johnston
0: So Pretty I guess good. he was do a along. You
1: know, I always have concerns with recording the sound of the strings in addition. <laughs> you know, it's like I do it. I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. But, you know, listening to somebody else do it, it makes me want to yes. <laughs> be just even more aware of yeah, recording stop, with that sound in there. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <sighs> OK, uh,
0: let's see what chaddy does. I th- I thought he wasn't playing along, so maybe Chaddy doesn't. Let's see.
1: All right, let's see. Here we go, Chaddy. I like his uh, his username ham guitarist.
0: Ah, it's interesting. Yeah. When I copy and paste you the thing, I get like a different version of their name.
1: Uh huh. Is this one that you pasted to me? Is this uh, I believe it's the same one. I can't SoundCloud. Is this
0: Convery? Uh, Yes.
1: All right. Cool. This is the one
0: I said. Sounds like boxcar racer.
1: Gotcha. Let's listen to this one. I like this one. So this is this is Convery. Action needs an audience. Demo. Bye. vocals in this one right
0: so here's my theory about what this is i think he named his band action needs an audience right yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking too so uh still kind of cool and that's how he came up um and we both saw him and sort of were into him but i forgot that was the deal his his username is convry but action needs an audience demo so i'm assuming it's him as the band action needs an audience and that's part of their right um, this other thing I said, this remix compilation by 8DO.Productions, there's like, it's just like, uh, like, that's what it is, a remix compilation. If you open it up, you can skip forward, you can see that he's got a remix of 30 Seconds to Mars, Rise Against, Escape oh. the Fate, Epic Remix of the Bravery, and then... I think the fifth picture is if you click on that, it'll take you. So if you to I the, click on the picture, it goes straight to it? It should go right to the action needs an audience section. Alright, let's see. Very cinematic. Did he did he rip it? I don't know. I don't I didn't listen to them enough to know. <laughs> nah, this is
1: this sounds a little different. <laughs> yeah, he just jumped right into uh Rise Against there, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then this final one I sent you, oh, I, bro- I wrote insanely sick EDM remix. But now I'm wondering if it's the dirty version you sent me.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I listened to this, we'll listen to a, oh, a couple okay. seconds, but I think it's the same thing. Um, red. yeah, this is actually we don't have to listen to it. This is the okay. same, the same one.
0: All right, and then that's it for my covers. Then, not really covers yeah. so much in this episode as much as. No dudes playing along in their bedroom and EDM remixes. Right. And I think that, you
1: know, we need to applaud those, uh, the need for speed, um, community. Those, oh man. <laughs> yeah. They love Jimmy world in this song. Yeah, man. Imagine, I wonder that's how their many, introduction.
0: I wonder how many fans like were introduced, introduced to the band through the game. Yeah. But like, that's not even a fair introduction. If you go out seeking the band, because you like how that remix sounded you're not gonna get that from the band, <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know like where you would go like Goodbye Sky Harbor, like Disintegration.
1: <laughs> I think those are two great examples of something else that could have been worked into something like this.
0: Yeah, five five five. They'd oh, probably yeah. be really into five five five. Yeah, yeah. We gotta make I'm a playlist for the remixes for-
1: there. Need Need for Speed Shift Seven.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and they got the, the five,
1: five 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 dubstep remix.
0: So Need for Speed, I feel like was like street racing game, but this like is the shift series like more of like a professional like uh Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Need series? for
1: Speed was definitely street racing. Uh yeah, through the mountains, through cities, mm. all that stuff. But yeah, this is this is definitely more uh uh the professional circuit.
0: Regulated uh competition. Yeah,
1: which is fun. I mean, so, I love racing games that that, that get you involved and, and uh, integrated into the game.
0: Yeah. So, Justin, what are your final thoughts on the song "Action Needs an Audience"?
1: So, it was sort of a so-so song from the beginning, um, but in doing the research and listening to the remixes, and then going through and, and even listening to Jim's song, which was which was Jim's version was cool. I'm really I really like this jam. It's it's a cool song, and uh, I'm I'm glad that it's on the album with Tom singing it. Yeah, I I, th- I think that he d- he definitely well, it's it's also in their in their band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're abiding rules right
0: right yeah yeah I think but this is uh this is uh for invented which is not an album i love um it's good uh this is upper echelon for me for that album like if i think of invented this is one of the songs i think of
2: yeah
1: so it stands out
0: it does yeah, and I say it rocks ass. Like I, it rocks ass because it has a sick guitar riff and everything. And I never thought be anything beyond that. The fact that people want to come out and slander the damn song, <laughs> right? Need to slow their roll, okay? <laughs> right. And you get on the train oh, that Zach
1: plays about four hundred bass drum kicks in this song in two minutes and forty uh, seconds.
0: Yeah, Yikes. yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got.
1: All right, man. Yeah, same here.
0: Uh. Until next time, I guess most people should. Uh. Most people in the audience where the action is needing uh should be excellent to each other <laughs> <laughs> and
1: party on dudes
0: uh ladies and gentlemen from the band cinema stare
3: uh jason the guitar player hey. i assume how are you yes i'm good yes i am the guitar player i'm doing good thanks for having me on it's kind of crazy uh, like how I just threw it out there and I was like, oh, I want to, I want to be on the pod. And then a few days later I'm on the pod. We will dare you. We- <laughs> <laughs> and you're not oh, the first yeah.
0: person that's been like, oh, I should be on the podcast. We actually have like a queue of people that like either it didn't line up for timing cause they're in a different part of the world or something like that. Um, but yeah, if people want to come on the pod right now, it's like open season and then, uh, yeah. If we get to Blink-155 size, I'm sure it'll be like, we'll be a little more picky.
3: <laughs> right, right, exactly.
0: We, so I was listening to you on a podcast recently and you actually cited Jimmy Eat World and Death Cab as like huge, huge influences for you. And uh, you wanted to come on because uh, I think I was interacting with like other people in your band on the uh, on the Twitter DMs. And it was like, oh, you got to talk to Jason. He's the Jimmy Eat World head. So here you are, Jimmy Eat World. The episode is Action Needs an Audience. Uh, I believe this is, this might be the last song in this, like, Tom stretch that we're doing. Um, and so, yeah, what's your relationship with the band?
3: Well, okay, so I'm really excited to be on this podcast because it's true. Like, Jimmy Eat World is not only the biggest influence on, like, the music that we make, but also they're just my favorite band as well. Um, and a lot of time during this quarantine, I've just been really diving into a lot of interviews Um on on YouTube as well. That's so it it all it all works out that I would be the, the next obvious step would be to be on a podcast about Jimmy Eat World after all that. But um <laughs> uh, basically so I'm 27, so in 2001 like when Bleed American came out, I was in 3rd grade and that's um that's when I first heard them. Uh, I heard The Middle on the radio but then after The Middle was on the radio which it was on the radio c- like constantly and it was not just uh w- over here in Connecticut we had like our version of K-rock is like 104.1 and mm-hmm. um they- so they would play Jimmy World but then it wasn't just that it was like such a big crossover it was on like all the all the top 40 stations too so that's definitely like when I first heard Jimmy World and then Then after that, I mean, the album just had so many singles. It was just like it seemed like like half the album was singles because it had had sweetness, praise chorus, all, all like equally big. Lead American was on the radio, too. So that was initially it. And then as years went on, I mean, at that point, I wasn't I was a big music fan, but it wasn't like I was, you know, I didn't really engage on the level like it took me like a few years from there to, like, really engage with music on, like, a higher level where I was, like, really just listening to albums. It was more so, like, I was listening to Music Match. I don't know. Do you know Music Match radio or whatever it is? Is that, on- like, what's on, like,
0: cable? Uh, Like, if you go to, like, the 700s or something like that?
3: No, that's that's something different. What is that? Oh, one? that's Music oh, that's, Choice, that's like, maybe. Yeah, that's Music Choice. Music okay. Match is this, this, like, platform that came on Windows computers and... What it was is is kind of like it was almost like a precursor to Pandora where you could like go to an artist page and then click artist match. And then you could listen to a bunch of suggested artists based on that artist. So, like, let's say I went to Blink-182. That's how I found out about bands like, I don't know, Mest and MXPX and, uh, and okay. yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah, like, yeah, I would go tight. on and... And I would just research their discography. That's like basically the extent of what I could do on the computer at a young age. You know, I didn't really know how yeah, to. Totally. There, I played games. And then I also did that. So that's when I started to hear more songs um, by Jimmy Eat World than just what was um, just what was on the radio. And then my first concert that I ever went to was actually uh, Green Day's um, American Idiot Tour. And Jimmy oh. Eat World opened that. So yeah. that was like. That was like the big turning point for me where I became like a big fan of Jimmy World was seeing them at that show.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember if Jimmy Eat World opens. I remember against me being was that also against me on that same tour or did maybe Jimmy World didn't play the American Idiot tour here on the West Coast.
3: I know I went hey, to it. That's a great question because I think the American Idiot tour had like an insane amount of legs yeah so I, I gotta I gotta imagine that Jimmy Eat world didn't play the whole thing, um but they were the only support on the um on oh okay the show then yeah I, I think to.
0: we got um, against me then I remember, oh, oh, that, that was yeah, a good tour awesome. for sure. um, so you're still pretty young, yeah, I don't think I really hit my stride with music and determining like what it was that I was like like my scene, I guess until like ninth grade. Um which is around the same time i I was in ninth grade in ninety eight ninety nine so
3: um uh right, well, I had heard how you guys had like i mean it's so interesting to to hear um your stories in that in that first episode of how you guys got into them and like having people show you I can't remember if you were the one that were the that if someone showed you static prevails that was, was justin,
0: I, yeah, yeah, he got in I, on the ground floor for sure,
3: <laughs> clearly I mean i can't imagine that and i one thing that I wanted to talk to you about um like specifically in this podcast is like I've been thinking a lot about how Jimmy world's signed to a major like and I know you guys have kind of explored this topic too like when you were talking about some of the early songs like from the self title album but it seems like like Blink One Eighty Two is a good parallel to draw here because I think the the level up there's like a couple level ups that Blink One Eighty Two did from album to album that I just it's hard for me to fathom that they like <laughs> in, improved as songwriters that much. Yeah, like in that time, and I think Jimmy Eat World is a is a another example of that because from the self titled to Static Prevails is like the most massive leap, not only in like sound wise, but like also in songwriting ability. In my opinion, like Absolutely, I think they just yeah. and then and then to Clarity and then to Bleed American. Every single one of those is like a massive increase. I'm just fascinated by that.
0: Yeah, I think Trombino had a lot to do with it. There was a podcast I came across uh, uh, recently where Jim specifically was asked the question, like, how do you go from a skate punk band to writing Clarity? Now, he didn't specify Static Prevails, but it might have had a little something to do with this. The difference is Tom sings more on Static Prevails than he does on Clarity. Um, but Jim specifically says, you know, we used to write songs trying to sound like our favorite bands and our favorite songs, and that was us jamming in a room and playing, like, and uh, right. and stuff like right. that. And then it got to the point where, you know, Jim got a four-track recorder and was like, oh, I can actually, like, record... A bunch of stuff and bring it to practice so it's done and so it went from jamming as a band and everybody trying to sound like no effects and propaganda to jim going home and taking everything else that he's learned having grown up playing piano and moving into guitar and saying oh these sounds lo- sound really cool together and oh let me loop all these drums on this four track and then mix it down to one track and play along to it and that all and and a in a way it's sort of easier to sort of like, especially if you're programming drums to a four track recorder and you don't want to mess up a slower jam is sort of part of that. Um, And that's my theory as to how they sort of became a little bit more introspective, but he specifically credits that four track recorder and recording separate from the band and bringing the songs to sort of that eventual shift. But then even today I found uh, uh, somebody started following us uh, from uh, our interview with Eric Grubbs somebody who was a journalist in the 90s posted an interview that he did with Tom, and he even asked Tom, like, hey, how come you're not singing so much on Clarity, that your new record Clarity? And I read this interview this morning, and Tom's like... Oh, you know, it was just, uh, it it starts with a big, uh, at the beginning of the thing It's like, it was just something we wanted to try. I think Jim was, uh, you know, on the self title, it was all me and one Jim song. And then static prevails was sort of evenly split. Now clarity is just all Jim with one Tom song. So I don't know. We're just trying something different. We'll see
3: how it goes. (laughs) Um, A weird connection is that I actually know who that guy is that did that interview because he's the guy whose kids do that channel kids interview bands. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, his name is Chip Midnight, and uh, yes, he's that's the, yeah, that's
3: him. He has a lot of awesome interviews from the '90s that he's archiving right now. So, I'm excited to see. I saw him say that he's going to post some more that he did with Jimmy Eat World. So, I'm excited to see those. Um, yeah, very excited. But it's what you what you bring up about the the transition to Tom to, to like Tom doing less vocals is something that I've been really interested about, and that's why I'm glad that I get to be on for Action Needs an Audience because. It's when they mention it in interviews. It's always like, "Oh, um, I was writing like they said. Like Jim writes songs more often, and he just started wanting to add vocals to them right away." Um, but then it, that sounds like in- weird to me because I I just like did that mean like Tom didn't write any songs? I I, I don't I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
0: Tom mentions in interviews about Action Needs an Audience that he hadn't written a song since then since blister essentially. So, um, wow. and I think it's tough to, because in the grand scheme of things, clarity, what's funny is in chip's interview, he's like, this is going to change the musical landscape. And Tom's like, all right, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. but I wonder, it seems that, like, Jim recently in an interview was like, I didn't feel like Clarity was a good record until 2007 in terms of uh, listenership. Like, he didn't feel listeners appreciated it until eight years later. Um, but Chip seemed to know that, like, there's something to this record. But then they get dropped by the label, slash, or leave, the, uh, Capital. And, uh, and then you would think that maybe they saw a formula worked with Jim singing, that they kept yeah. for bleed american and mark trombino could have had something to say about it i will say in chips interview tom does say jim sings better than i do so well
3: i i i i think that some of it like and i've i have to this is also coming from personal experience cuz i previously played in a band like a few years like back where we were both initially going to sing too, it was like me and another songwriter, and we were going to sing the songs we wrote, and then eventually just shifted to him, mm. and part of it is like almost kind of like you're just you're just like contest it's kind of just like, okay, well, I guess they're writing more songs I'm just not going I'm like I feel like maybe you can lose motivation that way because that's kind of what happened to me like it's almost like he saw Jim writing all these songs he's just like uh, I won't even yeah. bother Well, it's, it, it could be the other factors it's too.
0: interesting too because I was watching a performance I was kind of like in my head I was like oh well Tom still sings harmonies live and no he doesn't really it's Robin that sings all the harmonies and stuff live and then there was all this drama over social media because Robin was like so front and center at the NPR Tiny Desk concert I you was saw just that. gonna
3: <laughs> say that i was just gonna say that i but even, robin I, is even tight. That was I really like weird.
0: robin um i think tom is probably happy with where he is in the band i think you know he gets to tour the world and and play in a band and and like not really have to yeah, quote unquote I, I, work so you know you you take what you want i guess he could have easily started a side project
3: agree i yeah definitely definitely so i think that eventually I, i'm sure he just kind of settled into that role and i also think too like if you listen to like rockstar like which was a single i believe yep. from static prevails like i mean they almost sound like an entirely different like uh, that if if he was the lead singer like he has like a very radio rock voice like it would have it would have taken them in a like i think a completely different direction
0: yeah especially during that time like that song and that album it does sound very 90s in the best way possible not dated or anything like that but when people talk about you know godfathers of emo and 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 bands like rites of spring and stuff like that you could definitely see how static prevails gets heralded in that kind of pedigree of of bands and that's tom singing you know
3: exactly and even jim on that album sounds more aggressive yeah um than than he does on later albums Now, it, i'm I don't have the, uh, you might have this knowledge, but was there a, was there a Tom song that was a B side from chase this light? Or am I just like remembering that wrong?
0: So chase this light CD two big casino. Let it happen. Carry. You always be open bar reception. So I'll listen to that. Let me see. I think um, that
3: might be the one I'm thinking of, but I don't know if he sings on that one.
0: I remember uh, Tom Mullen mentioning to Zach in an interview that he loved open bar reception and played it at emo nights. And people were always so surprised to know that it was Jimmy Eat world. Um, it's
3: yes i i heard that same interview actually i think that's where i'm getting this from i think i might be like mixing things up
0: i don't remember him mentioning tom singing this song but let's give it a shot
3: Ooh. Good. The drum i mean the drum sound is so good on this the, these sessions sound so good the chase this light album oh yeah i can't even believe that i've never heard this song before
0: oh really
2: Whoa,
3: open bar reception. Uh, this uh, this open bar reception honestly sounds exactly like Always Be. Like the the vocal melody is almost identical.
0: <laughs> Inter- I, is, I wonder if that's it- why it didn't make it to the record. They were like, oh, we well, can't is. have both.
3: I think it is because, yeah. but it's definitely Jim singing. I, I, I was it, it almost sounds like an alternative version of Always Be. Actually. Hmm. That's that's really fascinating. I think I know where I was getting confused. I think that the time of that interview was right before Damage, and I think he said that Tom had written a few songs for Damage. I think yeah. that's where I was getting confused.
0: You know, there was also a, uh, let's see, which was the one that um, Butch Vig worked on was Chase This Light, right? Yeah, um, correct. He mentioned in an interview that we talk about on Let It Happen um, that, Butch Vig was in an interview said that there was a song that featured a Tom sax solo. So Tom what? himself played sax on a song during the sessions and Butch Vig talks about it in an MTV interview. And I'm like, I need to hear that so bad. I didn't even know he could play sax. Me neither. So I'll <laughs> we'll have to probably. get to the bottom of that one day when, if, and when Tom gets on the pod.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope, I hope that eventually you, you can, I think a. All the members that I think one of the reasons why Jimmy World is is such like a beloved band is not only because they've stayed consistent over the years, but they're just such like likable people. And you can tell that they're all like such good friends with each other. I think that's like something that's so Did you see that
0: great picture that they posted with their group FaceTime call?
3: I did see that. That was so good. (laughs) That was awesome. But um let yeah i guess we should i should uh start talking about the song maybe i don't know oh no um, we already
0: talked about the song for like an hour and a half like
3: <laughs> okay yeah um well th- cuz there's a lot yeah there's a lot to explore with the tom vocal thing in my opinion like now did I, you hear
0: the version that they played a year before the record came out where it's all jim vocals and different lyrics
3: i did not were the melodies the same melodies
0: the same and we tried to discern what the lyrics were on the pod, I gleaned that maybe it was about Diamondbacks baseball, (laughs) but it's very (laughs) strange because he says like doctors need an audience. And it's very strange. And even on Reddit, somebody titled the song Frankenstein, which Jim never mentions live, but from there to a year and a half later, when the record comes out, it becomes a Tom song. The first line is the same, but the rest of the song is completely different. And Justin had a really good rabbit hole theory that we went down that it's about, the band's relationship with major labels and uh, and stuff like that. But uh, do you have a thought about what you think maybe the song is about or what Tom's lyrics, what he's saying in his
3: lyrics? Wow, that's really interesting. Because when I read the backstory on this song, it sounded like, and I'm sure you've already talked about all this stuff on the episode, but like how he, how Jim had written the song and it was just going to be one that they kind of put to the side and Tom was like, no, I want to use it. So I'm curious to like, to to know if like jim had written the song and the melodies because they do sound like jim melodies to me it almost sounded like tom was trying to write a like a song like in the style of jim i don't know if you felt the same way
0: yeah and what's funny is when you hear jim sing his version live he does he does these like vocal things live that you're like oh that actually sounds really tight and i actually really would like if Jim were doing that.
3: what do you, What is your theory? What did you guys think? Like, do you think that Jim came with um, vocal melodies and then Tom wrote the lyrics or. Uh,
0: so Jim said that he had written the song and it, it, it was one of the first songs they'd written for invented. So they'd be kicking, a, kicking it around for a while. And Jim was never really happy with the vocals. And Tom loved the song because it has a ripping guitar work on it that he gets to do. Oh, yeah. Um, so he kept pressing Jim to work on it, work on it, work on it. And Jim was like, I don't, well, it, it, you hear the story two ways. One was Jim told Tom to take a crack at the lyrics. The other is that Tom was like, I don't know. Everyone was telling me to work on lyrics. so um, uh, So he did the lyrics and everybody was happy with the way that it sounded. And so it ended up on the record that way. Um, so yeah, it he did stay mostly faithful to uh Jim's vocal melody. He added a vocal bridge, which it was an instrumental bridge uh, before. and uh, that's mostly it. And like I said, the first line is the same, but the rest of the song is pretty much this uh, uh, tom's of Tom's invention, um,
3: okay. Yeah, no pun intended. And then um, I guess
0: the word "audience" is the last word in the in the original chorus, but it's not the same. It's like a different sentiment.
3: Interesting. That actually explains a lot to me. Then that 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 Jim wrote the me- the vocal melodies, and then Tom, because because I was like, wow. I mean, I understood how you had that guest on that said that they got into Jimmy Eat World um, through invented, but didn't know that Tom sang oh on, right
0: on yeah your chowdhury yeah
3: and i can see that because honestly if if you're just listening through like and you are used to like at least like you have some familiarity with the way that jim writes melodies i think it'd be pretty easy to just that's like that's a super think, good oh, point
0: yeah if you're just sort of zoning out i mean like who knew that davy von Bolen was singing on a praise chorus for 10 years before it got credited like <laughs>
3: right yeah no exactly unless you read the liner notes you, you would just not have any you would have no idea there and yeah. even the line like uh the davy sing me something something that i know like um i mean you i, I didn't have any idea what the fuck that was, I was oh like, yeah I was like, Why was, is he saying
0: i mentioned it on the episode but i remember k-rock here in la was like uh call be caller 20 with the answer of which davy he's talking about and i was like i don't know it's gotta be davy havoc or something like
3: well, yeah, that's like the first Davy. There's not many Davies that come to mind, but Davy yeah. Havoc would definitely be the first.
0: Yeah, and I think in 2001 or whatever, I didn't even know who the Promise Ring was, so like I would have just thought they were making up band names or something.
3: Yeah, when did yeah when did Nothing feels did the Nothing feels good come out in 99? Also, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I mean that's not a big album either. So that's like that's another really cool aspect about um, Bleed American too is that. It seems so divorced from like their like DIY and in emo roots, but then they they have you know the singer of the Promise Ring on there, so it's it's and it's and and not to mention vocals from uh I believe Rachel
0: yeah Rachel Hayden yeah
3: yeah which is which is also great yeah um but and tons uh, of sick
0: references on the whole record absolutely yeah yep
3: yep um so yeah I, I, invented has never been one of my favorite Jimmy world albums, to be honest. I actually think it honestly, I still think to this day, it's, it's, it might be my least favorite. Um, And one of the reasons why is because I don't think heart is hard to find um, (gasps) is a good opener.
0: Oh man. That's like one of the only things I like about this record.
3: (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the song itself is pretty good, but I, I just don't like it as the opener to the album for some reason sure i think it like i think it turned me off for a little while and then plus evidence in my opinion kind of sounds like very similar to big casino sure so the, the like i love my best theory though i think that the run of higher devotion movie like and coffee and cigarettes is a great run of songs though
0: sure yeah although i shat all over uh coffee and cigarettes it's like one of my least favorite jimmy Eat world songs i don't know why it just sits so wrong with me. Maybe like, uh, <laughs> like, um, what's it called? Sits for You, the album opener.
3: <laughs> well, when you guys were talking about Lean, I can't remember. Did you guys like Lean or did you also kind of feel the same way about that song as Coffee and Cigarettes?
0: Uh, I was good on Lean. I don't remember having a hot take. We had Brian Samus from La Bouquet on that episode. And he was like, yeah, it was good. It was fine. Like, it's not like, you know, uh, uh, peak, peak Jimmy for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely not. But I I I think that that song and coffee and cigarettes have a lot in common, where they're just kind of like these really, they're like just super poppy. It's almost like um, authority. They're like the almost like authority song, like kind of kind of songs where it's just like really straightforward poppy. Sure, yeah, poppy rock. Um, they, what they tend to do on every album, but action needs an audience is is like it. It's like also. There's like the two sides where they that they have, and it's like the super rocking side that I really love. The riff is so fucking sick. Oh my
0: side. god, uh, we talk about that on the episode too. How much fun? Oh, I mean, you're a guitar player. Do you know that riff, or do you know uh, like I imagine that Tom probably it, has a fucking blast playing that riff just alone.
3: <laughs> do you think he plays that, that? That's the other thing that's like another layer of this is that not only does Tom not sing vocals anymore, but like also Jim plays like every single lead. He That's plays like every cool part.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't look close enough, and I think it was in the back of my mind while we were recording the episode. I was like, "Oh yeah, I should know like who plays that one part." But uh, so real quick, I'm watching a performance of them at Coachella, and I'm gonna see if uh, who plays the lead on this. It's a huge wide shot that I can't see. it was like the widest shots possible of them at Coachella and then Jim's back. But it looks like maybe Jim is playing that riff. Um, Jim.
3: Yeah. That's the thing I've always, that's what has made me wonder so much about the, but I think that it's like, I think it goes back to them being such good friends that ultimately I'm sure he was just kind of like, you know what? I, I, it's time for you to sing, but I, I I, like, I, I, it's so bizarre that like he is the lead singer and he plays the leads. That's like rare. Right, um,
0: yeah. And he, and then he always talks about in interviews, like, oh, I've never seen myself as, like, a riff guy or, like, a lead guy. And I was like, man, you rip every lead, like, live. You would kill it.
3: Right. I mean, Futures, he's shredding the intro. Yeah. Like, he's just, like, he's shredding all the parts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But, yeah, did you say Action Needs an Audience has EDM remixes for a Need for Speed game? Four of them. Four of them.
0: And Justin <laughs> came across why. So, like, they had... um. I think it's like each racer has a mood and they did four (laughs) versions of every song to match the mood of the racer that you're playing as or something like that. So I think we found three of the four EDM remixes and they're like insane (laughs)
3: <laughs> wow, wow, that's actually a really cool concept. So every song had like um like yeah. the and mood real, altered for the racer.
0: And real remixes. Yeah, like from the stems. They weren't like, "Oh, I'm going to make a cool chopped and screwed version from the record." Like, no. They had the stems. They like did cool vocal things to Tom's vocals. One like made the bridge, the lead, and then I don't even know if they had the verses in it. It was just like bridge, chorus, bridge, chorus, bridge. <laughs> like
3: Yeah. Well, that I mean the bridge Uh, when you said that that was his um, addition, even if that's like his only addition, that's a, that is a really cool part. That part is like huge.
0: Well, and it sounded not too dissimilar from, uh, it sounded not too dissimilar from the work that he did on garbage picker. Um, Yeah. There was some like long drawn out words that he had on that early demo. And I was like, I don't know, man, it kind of sounds just the same.
3: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Except just like super produced. I, and, and, what I found fascinating about uh, Invented is that they returned to Mark Trembino, but they didn't like, it wasn't like a white album situation, like Weezer white album situation where it's like, oh, we're going back to our, like going back to like what, like that original sound, even though they returned to like the same producer, it's a very different album. It's, it feels like a logical progression.
0: Yeah. My biggest issue with that record was that Jim had come out and said, oh, I looked at a book and wrote stories about the book and. I don't. I don't care if I know that things are from Jim's life, but apparently, if I know that they're not from Jim's life, I am not interested. So, like,
3: now then that explains why you didn't like coffee and cigarettes, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because even yeah, Alan Cross asks Jim, like, "Oh, is this autobiographical?" And Jim just laughs and says, "No."
3: (laughs) Well, that makes it even. I I would say that that makes that particular song much worse because even (laughs) if it was, even if it was like autobiographical, it's like the most like simple. It's just like a very simple, like all the sentiments are so like simple, simply yeah. stated, and and then it's just actually a story. Um, I I don't know that, but yeah, action needs an audience is one of the standout tracks on on here for me. I would say
0: I agree. I think, um, and of course I can't think of the name, and you already said it. The the album opener and action needs an audience are the two songs I think of when I think of invented. Um,
3: so. yeah, I like mix. I like mixtape too. I mean, it's like the. Oh, and that's the thing is, I'll put it on
0: and I'll be like, "Oh, this song's great! Oh, this song's great! Oh, this song's great!" But for some reason, by the end of it, I, I I don't, it doesn't resonate with me.
3: If you, if you had to like rank the the albums, how would you, how do you rank them? And I'm sorry if you've already done this. Yeah,
0: no, um, it changes from time to time, but uh, I would say "Chase This Light" and "Clarity" are up top. Um, Okay, I probably would put "Clarity" up top, but those two up there, and then I would go, uh, probably "Futures." Lead American Integrity Blues, Surviving, Static, Invented, and then you know, self-titled, and uh,
3: all the other. Damage. Where was damage? Oh yeah.
0: See, that's the thing is, I always forget about damage. And what's funny is Zach is always talking about how people forget about damage. Uh, Damage put right up there between like Surviving and Static. Okay. But here's the thing: is that being said, I'm ranking them. It's not to say the, the the lower ones are bad. Like I don't think that there's a bad Jimmy World record. Like I would say, "Invented" is the bad one, and it's not a bad record. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. There's no Jimmy World album that I wouldn't be happy to listen to the whole way through. Um, there's just some that I definitely listen to the whole way through way more.
0: Right. And the, and then so how about you? You're the interviewee. Uh, how would, what's your favorite Jimmy World record? Uh, and uh, how so, do you rank them from there?
3: My story of how I got into Jimmy world was getting too long winded. So I didn't continue on it. But when I got to like, <laughs> when I, when I, when I graduated high school, like I had like, so when I saw them at that American idiot, um, tour, I think that, so that was 2006. No, it was 2004. It was either. No. Cause futures came out in 2004, but American idiot came out in 2005. So this tour might've been 2006, but they were still touring on futures. um, so I listened to Futures and Bleed American for like quite a while there. And then when I but when I graduated high school, that's when I got into Clarity and like Clarity was like that was like that time in my life and in getting into Clarity. Yeah. Um, that was just made it like it was like a I don't know, it became it just like at this point, I can almost say that it's my favorite album ever. Um, just because the impact of finding it at that time in my life and just listening to it at all that time whereas it's just like such a, such a pivotal, pivotal time in your life and the way that the, the songs kind of resonate with that. Um, so clarity is, is definitely number one for, for me, for that reason. But I would say it would go clarity futures bleed American. And sometimes futures and bleed American switch places for me, um, depending on the time, kind of like what you said. Um, So clarity futures bleed American. Um, Chase This Light, Static Prevails. I lo- I actually really like Static Prevails. Um, have you also- found the
0: guy that has a theory that it's a rock opera on YouTube?
3: I haven't found, fa- I've oh. heard you guys talk about it, but I have not, I've not uh, fully, I haven't, listen, you guys talked about how you dove into it on like a different episode or something. Yeah. And I, but I did not hear that episode, so I don't know if you played him on there or if We you- did, we
0: played him a little bit. We gotta be, I gotta be better about remembering to go back to that on that I think because I forgot it once I will never forget it again because that guy is so magical
3: (laughs) okay I gotta I gotta see what he has to say about that because I personally can't really understand how that album could possibly be uh, (laughs) a rock a rock opera Uh, uh, but I'm fascinated by what his take what his take is Um, and plus Static Prevails I agree with what you said earlier too about how it is kind of a Pivotal album, like for the genre at that time. Like, I think that it's, it stands alongside albums like, um, that promise ring album that we mentioned earlier. And yeah. Like the issue the was is,
0: the label just didn't do anything for them, and at the, at Tom even says that in the Chip interview. Chip is like, "Oh, you think Capital's going to do some stuff for you guys in Clarity?" It's like, "Well, they say they are, but they didn't do shit for Static."
3: <laughs> right. It's almost would have made more sense if they were on like a smaller label, like like Polyvinyl. Like yeah. I think that they could have they could have had even more success than they did. Their timeline is so is so weird. It's like a very weird, yeah, existence that the band had. Like especially since they like self-funded Fleet American and it wasn't even like recorded with label backing. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that's ridiculous. But they've so essentially after-
0: done every record that way since, which is great.
3: Yeah, and then now they have like the studio in their in their house or whatever. Cause th- those the like the versions of the songs on surviving that came out before, like um Love Never, that single, that was like a different version, right?
0: Yes, it was. Well, you know, so this is what I believe Zach said is that Love Never is exactly the same instrumentation. The difference is on the EP, Jim mixed it, and on the record, it was mixed by the guy that mixed the whole record.
3: Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah, I saw, did you see them on that um, tour with uh, Third Eye Blind that they did?
0: Yeah, Justin and I went there. It was before the pod launched and uh, his wife made us some Jimmy E. Pod shirts that we wore to the show.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was the first time I saw them since the um, the American Idiot tour. Oh, yeah. I've seen them yeah. since then.
0: It was so. an okay set. It, oh, I saw them with Incubus a couple years ago and it was basically the same, like, Intro to Jimmy World set. It was good. And the, the, you know, the production was cool with the big fans behind them and stuff like that. But, eh, you know, it's, I like seeing them at like a smaller venue when it's just them headlining and they dig way deep into the catalog. They're really good about doing that. I think they usually save like two or three spots for like super deep cuts that they want to play that are tight.
3: Yeah. See, that's what I was, that's what I was missing. Obviously, I get it because I mean, that, even though it was like a co-headliner, it was clear that it was like kind of a bigger, bigger thing for Jimmy Eat World. Like it's—I mean—that was like a pretty good tour for them to get on because Third Eye Blind has like this legacy status that I'm not really sure that Jimmy Eat World necessarily has. I feel like they have more of like a cult people. Like I mean, it was clear—I'm sure you noticed this when you were there. Like people were super, super stoked on the Bleed American songs, and yes. then yeah, then not so much the the others. Yeah. Um, but they played 23 which i was like obviously excited about <laughs> I, I i didn't i didn't really expect that one like if in like a greatest hits set to, to for them to bust that one out
0: yeah do you put that in the top like your top tier number 1 jimi oh, World yeah. song oh yeah. yeah that
3: song is really really good um but uh and, and now that i'm like i i was looking at the uh the album page for surviving and i didn't realize that uh the japanese bonus track is Party Hard. Yeah, yeah. So
0: they, yeah, they recorded that. They did a thing for like UK fans to win a contest where they could go visit them in a studio where they would live play a couple songs from the record and it would record live to a vinyl right then. And in that session, I think there were like 10 or 15 people that won this contest. In that session, then they also recorded Party Hard onto that vinyl that the fans that went there that day got um and that's the version of party hard so everyone was super excited they thought they did like a live uh a lot uh, not a live a studio version of party hard but it is just the live version but it sounds really good
3: that's awesome i I had no clue about that until right now but i look forward i'm sure you're gonna do an episode on that of course yeah (laughs) yeah that's awesome um So, yeah, I mean, we're we're already at 40 minutes. Yeah, I know. Well, well, I was thinking we should probably talk, I guess, a little bit
0: about your band. (laughs) Uh, You guys just released a record. I'd love to hear everything that you would say a Jimmy Eat World fan would like about uh, your Cinema Stare record. So let us know.
3: All right. So, um, we're, first of all, like, there's a couple songs where I think are very blatantly influenced by Jimmy Eat World, but everything is, like, in a way influenced by Jimmy World, like, in terms of arrangement in in songwriting i think that jimmy world is like one thing they're super good at doing is arranging the songs in a way that like really elevates them like for example like even if you listen to the demos like the demo version of um demo version of uh futures Mm -hmm. that came with the bonus edition and then when you see how they arranged them for the album like the way that it took the songs to the next level um that's like super inspirational uh to me so i think the album has like if if you enjoy like the way that jimmy world like puts together songs like i think we're definitely a much more pop punk band than jimmy world but i think that jimmy world fans would definitely still enjoy it for that
0: i am definitely on the pop punk side of jimmy world and i absolutely loved uh the record when i listened to it because i didn't know you guys until you guys dared us to let you on the pod so i was like okay i'll check out your record (laughs) And uh yeah, I think it's uh definitely if you're into the more pop punk side of Jimmy Eat World I'd definitely recommend.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for checking it out. And and I would say that too, like it's not like the pop punk side of Jimmy Eat World like Jimmy Eat World self-titled album like skate punk, but it's like how like i don't know like sweetness like the popular moments is definitely like kind of what we're we're like a mixture of that and and definitely like the starting the entire drive through records uh, oh it's so funny because
0: your album art i was like oh this is very starting line influenced <laughs> yeah i mean that's one
3: of my that's another one of my favorite bands um and and so like drive through, and then like even victory records in the early 2000s like yeah all that kind of stuff uh Spittlefield, like, is a is a big. I don't know. That's kind of a. I don't know uh, how many people are like super into Spittlefield, but that's I feel, like a major I, yeah, influence for us.
0: All of my dashboard uh, CDs had inserts with all of the other Victory bands, so I all, I only know them by name.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, those those are like big references for us. Um, just like that two th- like mid 2000s sound because that's, der- what I grew up on is like newfound glory some 41 uh the starting line like blink 182 those i mean so that's it and then for years i didn't play music that really sounded like any of that stuff yeah. um like i was in a band that kind of sounded like the weaker thans you know what i mean like more you know and then i was in a band that that like that sounded kind of like uh uh like i don't know it was influenced it was like a screamo band so it was more like um influenced by like i'm trying to think like
0: blood brothers
3: <laughs> yeah well i mean i do i do love the blood brothers i wouldn't say we sounded the i don't i wouldn't say we sounded like the blood brothers but that yeah like kind of like um like satia and like uh circle takes the square and stuff like that you like, guys are definitely this,
0: wearing white belts
3: yeah yeah basically basically exactly <laughs> when 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 Blink 155 talks about like scrams <laughs> and screamo like that's the that's kind of that's kind of what it is and i'm i'm still in that band but it's like this has been a nice way to reconnect with like like I feel like in I I think most people would agree like you're all the some of the earliest things that you get into and some of the earliest music that you're a huge fan of sticks with you in a way that's so special. Like I can still go back and listen to The Starting Line. I saw them for the first time ever. I never got to see them when they were a band and then I saw them at like an anniversary show 2 years ago or something. Yeah. And it was It was, I felt like so, I was like elated. I (laughs) I felt incredible. And so to be able to make music that sounds similar to that and um, kind of, because when I was little, I wanted to be in a band that was like these bands I was hearing, but I didn't know how to play an instrument. And now to be 27 and just able to make music that sounds like that is... It's just kind of cool? It's like a little circle in my life.
0: I agree, man. Uh, I'm looking at your guys track listing and I was going to be like, "Oh, we love parenthetical tracks. You guys have a parenthetical track." But then I realized it's essentially your Johnny Depp track, uh The Wino Forever.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um it was originally just called Winona Forever. Um, right. and then I and then I was like, "No, we got to put the NA in in parentheses yeah. to because <laughs> he famously changed the tattoo."
0: Yeah. Oh, that's right.
3: So I'm that's that song title. Honestly, really has nothing to do um, <laughs> with uh, with anything. That's the I, most early two had...
0: thousands pop punk thing you could do. Is like yeah, we name a song some... nothing like it. <laughs>
3: We had some silly like track. T- there was one song originally on there called the 69 sound. That was like a, <laughs> a reference to the 59 sound, yeah. uh, the Gaslight Anthem album. Um, and then we found out someone had already done that. So uh. it's the song that's called uh, Kansas 2017, which is all, like, that's a joke title, but it's really only for us. And it's because um, our basis old band was called Cult of the Supreme Being. And when they were naming the band, I mean, they were like, a, they were also like, just like a uh, indie punk band it it sounds like it would be like a doom band but it wasn't so we were all like that's a terrible band name for that style of music you should change it and then one of our friends sent a huge list of band names that he thought would be better than that (laughs) and they were all terrible and one of them was kansas 2017 so that's why we named that's why we named that song kansas 2017 That's some exclusive um, background yeah. story that only only um, Jimmy Pod is getting. Yeah, you but can only find
0: by listening to <laughs> two and a half hours yeah. into the podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, and and that's the song that was formerly known as the '69 Sound.' Okay, tight. Uh, yeah. but, um, but I don't know, like some some other background on the album too is that uh, the person who recorded it is our friend Chris, and he um, is in a band called The World Is a Beautiful Place, and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die he's i mean his band is phenomenal um and if people that have listened to this, I think people who like Jimmy World would actually really like the world is a beautiful place uh if they check them out I mean they're on epitaph um just really good, really good like indie emo music and and he also produces their albums, and so um we just got to know him over the years and so when it came time to record, uh we definitely wanted to record at his studio with him and i he is absolutely doing that was absolutely pivotal, like to make this album sound um, the way it does. That's so sick. What a great get. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like it's it's the stuff that he's doing is just phenomenal. so I don't really want to work with anyone anyone else again. <laughs> I mean, I would work with like I would work with like a huge name, but for now I don't I mean, he's our friend. he's close by. He does a great job, so
0: yeah, man, that's so awesome. I think you guys are doing it right. I think uh, I can't wait to see where you guys go, and I think you guys are nailing it so far.
3: Well, thanks so much. Um, oh, yeah. Hopefully, there'll be some some more cool stuff on the horizon. So I hope that um, some people, maybe a few people, will check us out because uh, <laughs> I, I I do think that people will. If you like Jimmy World, you'll you'll enjoy our album.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much, and uh, everybody, check out this record. Oh yeah, yeah. All thank right. you so much.